it is Saturday, July 16th, 2022. It is BK here one more time. That's right, back from a small hiatus last week. Good to be back. Please follow me on social media. Check out that Twitter for breaking news throughout the week, at Bravo Kilo Actual, and uh, be sure to check out my Instagram, at BK Actual. As I come to you guys from cloudy San Diego, California, it is 11.58 a.m. as we get started here. And yeah, just really quick, uh, last week I got a job offer just over the weekend, but it was really last minute because otherwise I would have done the podcast Thursday night. Just didn't have time to get to it. Those things do happen on occasion, and that might be the case occasionally going forward where I'll probably do the podcast on a Thursday night. But if I have to cancel like I did the other week, um, I will be sure to keep you all posted. But uh, yeah, really good to be back. I'm definitely a little rusty. I can already tell. But let's go ahead and get started here, guys, because nothing changes. The two and a half hours, no breaks, no editing. That doesn't change. The rippling ab veins snaking down to the upper thighs, incredibly aesthetically pleasing. That has not changed, obviously. And of course, the bronzed tan, a color not found in nature. It's still glorious, more glorious than ever before. So rest assured, we will continue to move forward as I get started with our international news, and let's start in Sri Lanka. Now, if you guys have been listening, we've been covering that uh, here and there as the chaos has been unfolded, so um, I just figured, why don't we kind of get into it? The president has fled the country, and you guys probably saw the videos on social media. Those protesters basically overran uh, the president's offices, and nobody is really sure who's in charge here. Uh, mass demonstrations and tear gas filled the streets of the Sri Lankan capital, known as Colombo. Protesters fought the cops outside parliament. That is the only government compound that had not been occupied. Uh, months of largely peaceful protests and power struggles have had no effect in addressing the root cause of the protesters' ire which is a crashed economy, basically. It's brought fuel shortages, rising food prices, basically rising misery as well. Now, the president, a guy named Gotabaya Rajapaksa, his departure was a huge step towards the demonstrator's stated goal of breaking his family's long hold on power. So Rajapaksa had left the island nation before dawn on a military aircraft to the Maldives. And then over the weekend, uh, at least tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people stormed into his offices and his residence, and he had gone into hiding. So these people feel like they've uh, definitely taken a, a big step forward. But the old guard there is trying to cling to power. Uh, Raja Paksa's ally, the parliament speaker, a guy named Mahinda Yapa Abewardena read a statement on behalf of the president saying that Mr. Rajapaksa had appointed uh, somebody else as acting president while the president is overseas. By the way, uh, Rajapaksa is 73 years old, and it's just kind of like total chaos as we speak. So... Uh, tons of people, as I said, were out in the streets, fucking uh, getting down to it. And Sri Lanka is in a bad place right now. 
One thing they need to do is project some kind of stability because they badly need international financial help. The country is out of foreign currency reserves, has no money for crucial imports. It has defaulted already on its foreign debt, which is quite large, and it's basically running on fumes. In recent months, they've been relying on aid from partners like India, which has given them $4 billion. Uh, But because they have this lack of security, they are not easily going to get funds from global leaders, including the International Monetary Fund or IMF. You know, they have to restructure their debt and see what they can do to get past this. Now, I mentioned a little bit that the protesters wanted to break his family's hold on power. Well, the Rajapaksa family has dominated Sri Lankan politics for almost two decades, and they've long had repeated claims of corruption. I've kind of talked about this in a, a couple podcasts ago when this, when the protests really started kicking off. Remember, his older brother, Mahinda Rajapaksa, also served as president, He ended the country's long civil war in 2009, and the way he did it was by brutal use of military force, basically crushed everything. So then after Godabaya Rajapaksa was elected president in 2018, he made his brother prime minister. That was his third uh, time in that post of prime minister. And just for good measure, he made two other brothers head of various government ministries. Now, his brothers have all stepped down in recent months. Um, so, what else do we have about this? Well, it is unclear where it's going to go from here. Uh, I have, like, uh, you know, he, he has resigned, by the way. I should point that out, the Sri Lankan president, because it was unclear when he first left if he would, because, you know, they were issuing those vague statements of like, oh, yes, he's just temporarily overseas. But now uh, he did submit his resignation by email from Singapore. And, uh, you know, it, it's again, this is going to go on, though, for a long time because Rajapaksa, he appointed the deeply unpopular prime minister to kind of uh, take the reins of the country, but they don't really want him at all either. So, I don't know. It's going to see. This is probably going to go on, and it's not clear who's actually going to take over the country. Who's going to head the country? Uh, Singapore's foreign ministry, by the way, confirmed that Rajapaksa had been allowed entry into Singapore on a private visit, and so far, they, Singapore said that he had neither been granted nor asked for asylum. And, oh, by the way, that is a request that Singapore seldom grants. Uh, so uh, the the irony, because he did go into Singapore, and there was also a rumor that he was going to fly to Saudi Arabia, and the irony is that uh, social media people have criticized and pointed out that Rajapaksa has often been accused of Islamophobic policies during his time in office. So the prime minister that he kind of appointed, this is a tough name. (laughs) I'm probably sure I'm screwing up a lot of these names, but the prime minister he appointed to kind of watch the store while he was gone is a guy named Ranil Wickremesinghe. Yeah, Wickremesinghe. He has stepped into the role of the leader, and these protesters are already 
demanding his resignation. They have demonstrated they have demanded his resignation for quite some time. He has not much support in Parliament. And oh, by the way, his private house was set on fire once he took a charge. So there you go. And um, what else? There were soldiers fighting the protesters in the street. Indeed, two army soldiers had weapons stolen outside Parliament after they were brutally attacked with iron rods and poles. So it's uh, if that's true, because you know who knows what's going on. It's a fast-moving situation. This would be a sharp turn from the peaceful roots of the movement. They finally had enough, and after a couple months of inaction, they decided to uh, kick it up a notch. And if the soldiers get in the streets and the crowd start fighting the soldiers, it could become quite ugly. So that's the latest on Sri Lanka. Definitely keep an eye on that one. Let us turn now to the latest in the Middle Eastern trip of Joe Biden in the Middle East. I've got kind of a live updates page here. Now, the president did, he has headed home after that summit in Saudi Arabia. Um, And the Saudis were basically looking for assurances that the status quo is going to continue this partnership we've long, long had with Saudi Arabia. And, you know, I had to laugh, you guys, over the whole, and I'll get into this in a minute, the whole, like, will Biden, you know, uh, fist to shake hands with uh, the leader of the Saudi Arabian nation, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, basically king. But because this all goes back to the journalist killing, and the report said that MBS, as he is commonly known, did actually order the killing of that journalist, Jamal Khashoggi. So, like, all the journalists were like, oh, he shouldn't even go over there. And as I point out, it's childish. You know, it was childish when people criticized Trump going over there to Saudi Arabia, and it's childish for the people who yelled at Biden to go over there. This is a major world partner, and you have to deal with these people. Okay, this isn't a fucking academic exercise like all these nerds over here in the think tanks. You know, they think we can just be like, tell us. I don't know what they think. You think Biden's going to like spit in the guy's face or something? It's idiotic. As a matter of fact, Biden's over there basically begging them to pump more oil so the prices can come down so he can get reelected. But he said today before he left that the United States would not cede the Middle East to China or Russia. And he did meet with nine Arab leaders. This was his first trip to that part of the world since taking office. Um, so he did kind of nudge them a little bit on human rights because, you know, he has to. They're not going to change their ways. That's They're setting their ways over there. That's how they do things. And you can either choose to work with them or not. And we certainly are not going to choose to work with them. So... Uh, what else here? The had a session with the leaders of Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, Oman, and the United Arab Emirates, Egypt, Iraq, and Jordan. And that came after Biden met separately with three of them, including President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi of Egypt. And Sisi has been known to wage this. Uh, he's been dealing with his own crackdown on dissent. Uh, so... Another reason Biden met in Saudi Arabia was to discuss working together to contain Iran. And there seems to be a lot of doubt for many of the Arab leaders whether the U.S. has a long-term commitment to the region. And they worry about whether Biden will make good on his vow to pursue a foreign policy based on human rights. Um, remember, he famously said that he would uh, consider Saudi Arabia a pariah state. 
And I've got some clips for you to play in a moment. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, he, he met with Sisi. He also met with the Prime Minister of Iraq, that is Mustafa al-Kadimi. Of course, we have quite a complex relationship with Iraq for friggin' obvious reasons. Um, and this comes at a time when there's a big shift in the Arab world. They're building closer ties to Israel. Israel's one of our closest American allies. Arab states have long shunned Israel, but the Emirates, the UAE, and Bahrain did establish full diplomatic relations with Israel back in 2020. Saudi Arabia has quietly increased ties, although more in an unofficial way. Uh, so Biden is claiming that he did confront Prince Mohammed bin Salman after uh, their, their meeting about the Jamal Khashoggi thing. So the president insisted, this is the New York Times writing, the president insisted that he had pointedly blamed him for the murder of the columnist, and he recounted to reporters, quote, he basically said that he was not personally responsible for it. I indicated that I thought he was, end quote. Now, the, the, there's some skepticism that that's how it went down, because according to the Saudi Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, who was present at the meeting, he is Adel Al-Jubir. He told reporters that he had not heard the president blame the crown prince. Uh, so they're both kind of like spinning away. Remember that whole thing happened back in 2018. And the CIA is blaming crown, Briss, crown prince MBS for ordering that operation that killed Mr. Khashoggi, who was a columnist for the Washington Post and the United States resident. Uh, so the Saudis, they're, they, they want to go back to business. They're all about the business. They're all about making money for themselves, and uh, they are um, ready to get on with it. <laughs> it's funny. I'm just scanning down this New York Times article, and they do everything but come out and say that Biden is a known liar. For example, they write this sentence, quote, Mr. Biden is by nature a storyteller with a penchant for embellishment, end quote. He has often told the story of meeting President Vladimir Putin of Russia in 2011 as vice president and telling him, quote, I'm looking into your eyes and I don't think you have a soul, end quote. Others present at the time had no memory of that specific exchange. Again, Biden described a confrontation in 1993 with the Serbian nationalist leader who unleashed an ethnic war in the Balkans. Pop quiz, you guys. Who is that Serbian nationalist leader? Little tough, but you should get this one. That would be Slobodan Milosevic. Biden, then a senator, apparently said, quote, I think you're a damn war criminal and you should be tried as one, end quote. The New York Times writes, some other people in the room later said they did not recall that line. Oh, he did this too? He did this with Hamid Karzai of Afghanistan, according to him, in 2008. When the Afghan leader denied that his government was awash in corruption, Biden said he grew so irritated that he threw down his napkin, declared, quote, this dinner is over, mister, end quote, and stormed out. Uh, but uh, they uh, again, we have uh, kind of a, other people saying, nah, fucking didn't happen like that. And why would it? It's not going to. You have to worry. That's the nature of dealing with these people. You know, they don't have our same um, levels of human rights. They don't look at things that way. But 
if you want to have a global economy, then this is what you're going to get. You're going to have to deal with people that otherwise you uh, would not quite care for. So uh, I encourage you guys to go check it out. Uh, before I get to the audio clips, there was one kind of amusing story. A Secret Service employee was sent home after an arrest in Israel. Um, the U.S. agency called, um, he was arrested by the Israeli police briefly in what the U.S. agency called, quote, a physical encounter, end quote. Uh, they, they do not say he's an agent, a sworn law enforcement agent. They just keep calling him an employee. He was briefly detained by the Israeli police, who then released him without charges. Uh, they said the allegations did not involve anything sexual. It was not a sexual assault. Uh, officials say the employee is back in the U.S., and he has had access to Secret Service systems and facilities during an investigation. They say that's standard uh, operating procedure. So we're not too sure about all that. I'll reach out to my Secret Service sources and uh, see what I can go on. So let's get some audio clips going. Uh, here's the first one when he is delivering. Here's uh, Sleepy Joe delivering remarks at an East Jerusalem hospital. So check this out. Uh, I had a terrible headache. <laughs> Excuse me, a terrible headache. And uh, drinking some water after coughing. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. oh, Joe. Somebody have mercy on this man. Uh, this was funny, too. So the Palestinian Authority, yeah, though he, he met with them. They played the American National Anthem, and I put this out on Twitter, Bravo Kilo Actual, and like these fucking, this was like the worst version of the National Anthem I've ever heard. These guys badly need a tuner of some kind. I'm just going to play like a minute or two of this. But uh, it, it, see if it's a really good version to you guys. Here we go. Here, picking up the instruments, getting into shape here, and uh, here we go. God, okay, I can't, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, but yeah, not, uh, not too great, guys. I, I will say that they still kind of played in order. Here's some journalist yelling out as Biden is sitting down at the big table with all the Saudi Arabian leaders. We had a journalist yelling out, uh, asking about his previous comments about Saudi Arabia being a pariah state. Check this out. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And then they shut her up and move her along. Good for her. Uh, here he is also, again, in East Jerusalem, and this one kind of made a stir as well. He was talking about his family. He's uh, of Irish stock, and then he compares them to the Palestinian people, and this kind of raised some eyebrows. Let's listen. I, uh, my background and the background of my family is Irish-American. And uh, we uh, have a, uh, a long history of uh, not fundamentally unlike the Palestinian people with uh, Great Britain and their attitude toward Irish Catholics over the years for 400 years. But uh, 
Yeah, people didn't really like that one either. They said it's totally different, not even close to the same situation. And then this one raised eyebrows as well. Here he is in Israel, and he tries to mention the Holocaust, but he kind of butchers this one a little bit. I will once more return to the hollow ground of Yad Vashem to honor six million Jewish lives were stolen in the genocide and continue, which we must do every, every day, continue to bear witness. To keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust. Whoops. Honor those we <laughs> okay. lost. Yeah, he did say truth and honor of the Holocaust. Not good, Joe. Boy. You know, it'd be nice to have somebody under the age of fucking 98 years old or however old is in, in the office of president. I mean, it's only the most important job in the entire free world. I don't know, guys. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be Gavin Newsom. That's right. I have plenty of Gavin Newsom. You guys are going to hear me play a lot of Gavin Newsom stuff coming up because, and, and in the next you know, foreseeable future because he does want to be president of the United States. I'm just telling you that now, so you're going to get used to it now. Okay, let's go to Mexico, where a drug kingpin who was convicted of killing a DEA agent, Drug Enforcement Agency of the United States, uh, has been captured in Mexico. Yeah, this has been a long source of tension with the U.S., so this is a good thing. So this drug boss is named Rafael Caro Quintero, and he was captured in a joint operation involving the Mexican Marines and the country's prosecutor's office near the town of San Simon in the state of Sinaloa. He was found hiding in the bushes by a search dog named Max. Okay, very good. We probably had a few boots on the ground there as well. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the U.S. would seek his immediate extradition. Now, just, uh, and then uh, in a fucking tragic incident shortly after he was detained, a Black Hawk helicopter actually crashed outside the nearby city of Los Mochis, killing 14 Marines on board. Uh, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador put out on Twitter that those Marines had been involved in the mission to capture the former crime lord, and yeah, then hours later, their helicopter crashed. Horrible. So a little bit about this guy, Quintero. Two warrants had been issued for his arrest. He'd been under indictment in federal court in Brooklyn since 2020 on several counts of drug trafficking. He had also been convicted of masterminding the 1985 killing of the DEA agent Enrique Camarena, who was known as Kiki. He was then placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list in 2018 after he had been released in 2013 on a legal technicality. He has been on the run since. So that technicality... Well, Carl, uh, Quintero had served 28 years of the 40-year sentence that, when it was handed down when he was abruptly set free by a judge who ruled that he had been improperly tried in federal court rather than a state court for the murder of Agent Camarena. And it was a brutal killing. Uh, Camarena was tortured and killed. He had been working undercover. This was considered a big inflection point in Mexico's violent war on drug cartels and had been long a sore spot. This uh, murder of Camarena is considered one of the worst episodes in the history of the DEA. And they looked at this guy, Quintero, as fucking an unfinished business. So this uh, Quintero, he was founder of the now defunct Guadalajara cartel. 
And this is kind of a big victory for AMLO, the president of Mexico. This, you know, he's been presiding over one of the bloodiest periods in Mexican history, despite his promise to tackle crime and, and violence. And the relationship between U.S. and Mexican security forces is also in play here. That is a relationship that had become kind of in danger since Mexico. You guys remember this one? They approved legislation last year restricting the activities of foreign agents and lifting their diplomatic immunity. So this arrest kind of suggests that there's still ongoing cooperation between us. Of course there is. Uh, so... Analysts say the practical impact of this guy's arrest will be limited. He, he wasn't considered a major figure within Mexican organized crime in recent years, so he's kind of been gone, but he's like kind of a mythical, mythical figure, you know what I mean? Within Mexican drug lore, he was known as the narco of narcos, and he was a pioneer in producing and trafficking massive amounts of drugs into the United States. So as far as the murder of the DE agent in 1985... He had been working undercover in Mexico. He was abducted in February of that year. And Camarena had helped uncover a massive marijuana plantation worth $160 million. A forensic ex expert, after they found his body, said he was killed by blows to the face and head by a blunt object. His body was found bound hand and foot and wrapped in plastic bags on a ranch near the city of Guadalajara nearly... Um, a month later. So that's when we really fucking came out swinging against Mexico. And indeed, Camarena's death has been a, uh, has been turned into pop culture. Did you guys see that Netflix show Narcos? Uh, it's Narcos Mexico specifically. Well, his death is portrayed in that series. If you guys want to go check them out. Okay. Good job guys. Uh, and then staying in Mexico briefly, by the way, cops found the remains of 23 people in pits. Yeah, this is found between June 18th and July 7th in the community of Los Negritos. And that was according to the Michoacan State Attorney General's Office. Uh, so far, only eight of the victims have been identified. That's two women and six men. The ages of those who are identified range from 16 to 60 years old, and they may have been killed anywhere from between six months ago to three years ago. Uh, this area is known for their drug trafficking. It is the municipality, municipality of Viamar. Viamar is one of 13 cities located in the region known as the Corredor de la Muerte, or Death Row. And that has been engulfed lately by an internal conflict involving two factions of the Jalisco New Generation Cartel. So it's unclear if criminals intentionally dumped the bodies in this area or if they, they just like if that was their spot, they wanted to send a message or they just wanted to dig a hole quickly in kind of a grim geological fact. This area is known for the black mud facial masks, and they think that these people would have disappeared more quickly. <laughs> Yikes. Fucking Mexico, man. Yet the violence goes on, and there's really not a lot that AMLO or us can do about it. Let's go to Germany. You guys remember this story? Remember the guy, the uh, military officer, 
who had posed as a Syrian refugee to carry out terrorist attacks to have blowback against refugees. You guys are vaguely familiar? Yeah, they finished up the trial. And the German military officer known as Franco A., remember they have those privacy laws, you can't say the last name, was found guilty of plotting terrorism. Yes, that's right. He was sentenced to five and a half years in prison on Friday yesterday. And he did plot to assassinate prominent politicians and public figures in the hopes of bringing down the country's democratic order. By the way, he was a first lieutenant in the military. And he was arrested five years ago in 2017. He was caught trying to collect a loaded gun that he had hidden in a bathroom at the Vienna airport. That started an investigation that would eventually span three countries and multiple intelligence agencies. His fingerprints revealed his second fake identity as a Syrian refugee. His cell phone led investigators to a nationwide network of far-right police officers and soldiers preparing for the day the social order collapsed, which they called Day X. So now, after nearly 14 months in court, uh, Franco A., uh, listened to the verdict being read out. He's 33 years old, by the way. And the presiding justice is Christoph Kohler. He's the judge of Frankfurt's regional high court. And he began his 90-minute explanation of the verdict by saying, quote, The defendant is guilty of preparing a grievous act of violence dangerous to the state. End quote. That's right. During the trial, they heard from 34 witnesses, reviewed hours of recordings, dozens of pages of notes by Franco A. himself. <laughs> you don't want to keep notes on your criminal conspiracy, kids. The court was not only convinced that he had a, quote, hardened far-right extremist, ethno-nationalist, and especially racist and anti-Semitic mindset, end quote, but also that he had firmly decided to commit a, quote, lethal attack, end quote. Hmm. Very good. He hoarded firearms, explosive devices, cartridges, ammunition, um, to, and he wanted to carry out these attacks in order to bring about a political or social change of direction in line with his views. The judge said uh, he, he looked at this, did Franco A, as contributing to the, quote, preservation of the German nation, end quote. Prosecutors asked for a slightly longer sentence, but they said this is an important success in the fight against right-wing extremism. Uh, his lawyers, Franco's, had entered a plea of not guilty on terrorism charges. Oh, interesting. They accused the court of being a, quote, woke tribunal, end quote, that was holding, quote, a political trial, end quote. Yeah, he is the first active soldier in recent memory to stand trial on terrorism charges in Germany. His case presented yet another warning for a country that has spent decades atoning for its Nazi past, but at the same time has a track record of failing to fully address far-right extremism and terrorism. So he kept a record of his ideas in a diary and a series of audio memos on his phone. <laughs> in these uh, memos and diary entries. He praises Adolf Hitler, enjoy, uh, indulged in global Jewish conspiracies, argues that immigration has destroyed Germany's ethnic purity. 
hailed President Vladimir Putin of Russia as a role model and then advocates destroying the state. Hmm. Yes. He drew sketches of target locations, uh, all, all kinds of shit. Yeah, and you guys remember some of these cases that unraveled because of him. You remember the uh, they infiltrated one group who hoarded the weapons? Yeah, he, and then another group that was disrupted and put the spotlight on the KSK, Germany's elite special forces. And uh, you guys recall in 2020, explosives and SS memorabilia was found on the property of the sergeant major. And then they disbanded the entire KSK unit. Uh, that was like a year ago. I covered that on the podcast. But yes, um, as far as socially, by the way, this guy was a uh, th this guy was considered a top tier soldier. He received glowing reports from superiors throughout his military career, even as he wrote and publicly spoke about his far right views uh yes this is a long article here but i encourage you to go read it yourself at the new york times they were asking some local yokel professor about this and this professor of sociology at the local university said quote the verdict was necessary and sends a clear message, but the different far-right extremist networks that reach deep into the military and other state institutions that have become visible of this case must continue to be investigated, end quote. And that is spot on. It's exactly what he sounds like. All right. All right. You know, it's, it's guys, it's been serious. You got to lighten the mood up. What do you think is going to lighten my mood? Well, if you're guessing, BK. I know it would lighten your mood. Yet another India rectal air compressor death. Yes, you got it. Spot on. And yes, there is another one. This one has a slight wrinkle to it, which I'll tell you in a moment. But now, that's right. In a town of Mahansa, I'm sorry, Mesana, a man has been arrested after his after he inserted an air compressor into his friend's rectum. According to police, the incident occurred on the premises of Alok Industries, and the victim allegedly fell unconscious after the air compressor pipe was inserted up there. Following his death at a hospital, police arrested his colleague named Kuldeep Vijabai for culpable homicide. Police said the minor died due to his internal injuries caused to a sudden burst of air in his cavity. Ugh. So the victim was employed uh, as a woodworker at this Alok Industries for the past two months. And one witnesses, uh, one witness told the police he was he was kind of there they said they were doing woodwork um and prior to going to lunch break the workers were using an air compressor machine to suction scattered wood material from their clothes sorry this is translated from a different language obviously it wouldn't use suction it would use a blowing you know so this guy actually saw the victim and the accused teasing each other and he told them to stop a few minutes later uh they fucking a guy ran up to him and said uh, the victim had fallen unconscious but here's the wrinkle the witness said that the victim had first tried to insert the pipe into the guy's rectum for fun. So apparently then the guy took the hose away from him 
and he jammed it in the guy's fucking corn chute, but he fucking hit the mark because that's when the guy died. So it could have been the first guy, but it wasn't. He took it away and decided to, big air quotes here, joke around as well, and he ended up killing the 16-year-old boy who died in the hospital. What is this? That's got got to be like six of those stories I've covered. I've never heard of this happening in another country, ever. It's always fucking India. I don't know. Learn the hard way. Let's go to Italy. Well, the prime minister quit. (laughs) I know, this has happened on Thursday. Prime Minister Mario Draghi tendered his resignation in response to a revolt by anti-establishment populists within his national unity government. But it's weird because the president refused to accept his resignation, essentially freezing this in place until next week, and that is when Draghi will address their parliament. You guys remember, like, through it's a little confusing because a lot of these parliamentary systems have a president and a prime minister, and the prime minister is actually the guy who's doing the actual day-to-day stuff, and the president's almost more of, like, a figurehead. But the president does usually, you know, he's the guy who controls the prime ministership. So this has kind of left Italy in a state of uh, suspended animation. Not a great time for Europe because they are seeking a united front against Russia right now. And by the way, they are all facing a huge energy crisis, not to mention an uptick in COVID infections. So as recently as Thursday night, Italy politicians and analysts are still trying to figure out what exactly happened. So despite Draghi's stated intention to resign, it remains possible that he could remain in power if key political players fall into line. I know this is this is kind of like boring inside baseball stuff, but you know, it is a fucking national government of a huge European country. So that's how it goes. We got to go through it. Draghi took office in 2021. And that is when Italy's president asked him to resolve a political crisis created by the collapse of the previous guy, Conti, his government. And he led the country out of the worst days of the COVID pandemic. And uh, he's considered to have been pretty effective with packing the government with highly accomplished experts. Uh, Draghi, is often called Super Mario for his role in saving the euro as president of the European Central Bank. And his appointment to prime ministership kind of boosted Italy's international standing and investor confidence. Uh, With his hand at the wheel, that helped Italy receive more than 200 billion euros, or about 200... Well, this article is already out of date because now the euro is in parity with the dollar. So that's about $200 billion in cash. U.S. dollars, and that was relief funds from Europe. So Draghi brought moderate growth to Italy, made reforms to its justice system and tax code, tried to get rid of some of their bureaucracies, and by the way, he's trying to find diverse energy sources away from Russia. So let's, the, the, his departure could open the door to forces who are much more sympathetic to Vladimir Putin. The nationalist leader of the League Party... Um, named Matteo Salvini, is suddenly a big deal again. Salvini made enormous demands on Draghi, and uh, he is, you know, he, he's not the only guy who would welcome Draghi stepping down as well. 
They have other far-right leaders who say the parliament no longer represents Italians. They say we'll fight to return the Italian people what the citizens of all other democracies have, the freedom to choose who represent them, and they are calling for elections immediately. So this is this collective revolt is like an anti-establishment bunch of guys. They're called the Five Star Movement. So the Five Star Movement is also traditionally closer to Russia. They opposed sending significant military support to Ukraine in response to the Russian invasion, for example. So we'll watch to see what happens with that last week, uh, next week. Okay, let's go to Africa. Do you guys remember the story of all the kids who died in that bar? Yeah, well, it's they still aren't sure what exactly happened. Investigators have yet to say what killed the teenagers. However, police have arrested the owner of the South African bar where those 21 teenagers died. Uh, not only just the owner, but two employees. Now, they have been arrested and charged with selling alcohol to minors. We still do not have the forensic investigation results. The sudden deaths were in Scenery Park. That is a working-class township in the city of East London on the country's southwestern coast. Uh, apparently, the nation in South Africa is already alarmed about unregulated underage drinking. And all these teenagers were aged 14 to 18. They all suddenly collapsed on the floor, tables, and couches in the early hours of Sunday, June 26th. So in interviews with the New York Times, survivors said that a mysterious gas filled the room and then a crush of people rushed towards the single stairway and door. This bar was called the Enyobeni Tavern. Narrow, two-story building, it had all kinds of noise complaints, uh, crowding complaints, everything else. Neighbors told reporters that a husband and wife have run the tavern for several years. They have both declined requests for an interview with the New York Times. And, yeah, there's still a lot of questions. First of all, and, and also the emergency response. The cops didn't call, they didn't respond to emergency calls for hours. And the community members also said their complaints about the tavern had been ignored by the liquor board. But police and the liquor board say they have received no formal complaints from the community. Hmm. Um, during a mass funeral on July 6th, which was attended by the country's president, Cyril Ramaphosa, an official did announce to the mourners that a stampede had been ruled out as the cause of death. Is this a gas leak or something? Hmm. Sounds like a gas leak if what the witnesses say was accurate, but you know how witnesses are in these situations, or, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Staying in South Africa and staying in the bar theme, at least 15 people were shot dead in a bar in the South African township of Soweto. Yeah, this was the Orlando East Tavern. Um, in the early hours of Sunday morning, apparently gunmen entered this tavern and started firing randomly at a group of people, and then they fled the scene in a white minibus. No motive for the attack has been established. These victims are believed to be between 19 and 35 years old. Wow. A press statement released by the, the police said the gunmen had been armed with rifles and 9mm pistols when they entered the bar. 
uh, anything? Is this tribal? Is this terrorism? Is this just crime? Shootings are not uncommon in South Africa. They are often linked to gangs or alcohol. Hmm. Big one there. Okay, what else? Let's go to... Well, let's come here to... Um, Let's do that. Uh, let's do a quick COVID update. Normally, you guys know I hate talking about this now, but the cases have been picking up, and I've got an audio clip I want to pay for you also. So cases are picking up. The 14-day change is up 14%. We have a total number of cases, 89,295,542. The 14-day change in deaths is up 8%. The 14-day change in people hospitalized is up 20%. By the way, total reported COVID deaths in the United States, 1,020,198. Just quickly, kind of the state of what's going on. Sorry, guys, I got to move around a little bit. So I was doing kettlebells the other day, and I fucking, like, bent just one millimeter the wrong way. And you hear that little, like, right in your, like, lower back, and you're like, fuck. And it's, like, not, like, broken or anything, but it's, like, definitely sore, and I'm all, like, uncomfortable sitting here. So I'll try to get through it a little bit yeah that's right you know this is what it takes sometimes you guys want to be jacked tan you got to put in a little sacrifice and that involves sacrificing your back so be it anyway back to covid the uh the, the cases had been relatively consistent but the number of cases announced in the u.s each day now is on the rise the daily case average grew to more than one hundred and twenty thousand on tuesday cases are rising in more than 40 states this is due primarily to the latest variant, BA.5. They think it is the most transmissible variant yet, but the thing is, it's not killing that many people, right? So, what, what does it mean? Well, it means that some people, specifically California, are talking about reintroducing mask mandates, which is foolish because <laughs> they didn't do anything. But that's right, let's go to LA County. They have moved into the what they call the high COVID community level, triggering a possible return of the indoor mask mandate. That's right. If the county remains in the high community level for two consecutive weeks through July 28th, the mask mandate would return the following day, July 29th, to, quote, help slow the rate of transmission and protect those most vulnerable, end quote. That is the quote attributed to public health director, not a medical doctor, Barbara Ferrer. There's been an average of 14 deaths per day over the past week. Well, we learned that the masks did not stop the transmission. Didn't we learn that? Was there some effect of masks in an indoor setting? Yes, there was slightly, according to the latest science. But it didn't stop the general thing because people are outside, people are in other places. Some people didn't require masks, everything else. Well, so the interesting, I want to play this clip. There's a doctor who made a whole fucking speech about this. And this isn't just any doctor. First of all, he's a real doctor. He's This is Paul Holton. He's an epidemiologist, and he works at the L.A. County USC Medical Center. And he's, uh, I've got a clip here I want to play. He's basically saying there's absolutely no reason to do this. So let's yes. hear the doctor. So I guess it is hard to get a little more excited. Um, Dr. Robert Ferrer is expected today based on numbers uh, to probably announce that uh, L.A. County 
will go into a mask mandate situation for all indoor and large activities. That's expected to be announced this afternoon, but we haven't seen the final numbers that she may or may not choose to act on at that point. But, but certainly there is no reason from a hospitalization due to COVID push perspective to be worried at this point. No. Um, I'm so tired about not being worried about COVID. <laughs> okay, that's funny. He's got a whole series of them. Actually, I want to play this next one too, see if there's more information on this one. First of all, most of that data is completely incomprehensible because at the moment, many, many people are testing at home and most people aren't reporting those tests in. So no one has any idea actually how many people are testing positive at that point. Certainly, if the experience of our hospitals reflective of across the county, which I believe it is, we're just seeing nobody with severe COVID disease. As of this morning, we have no one in the hospital who had pulmonary disease due to COVID. There you go. Nobody in the hospital. We have 24 people who have tested positive for COVID, but nobody, nobody who had COVID-19 disease as we would see in the past. Okay, so let me stop him here. So now, now this fucking nut, Barbara Ferrer. So remember, the big concern is always like, we can't let the hospitals be overwhelmed. That was always the reason for everything. So here you have the fucking county doctor, the epidemiologist, saying, well, we don't have fucking a single person, so we're not worried about it at all. So what is she just like, well, no, but but there are, there are too many people testing positive for COVID, and it doesn't matter. So what? It's, if the, it doesn't matter to her if they're sim, uh, symptomatic or not. So she's one of these zero COVID weirdos. And again, I'll point out that she's not a medical doctor. She's got like a fucking doctorate in like public health or some shit. So the whole thing's stupid, but there's nobody to push back on this because Gavin Newsom still has those emergency powers, still, and his emergency powers give them enormous leeway in setting rules and, and mandating businesses and large gatherings do things. So until that's repealed, they can pretty much order people to do what they want. Okay, let's keep going here. Uh, let's go to... This one. Let's go to Sweden. An ex-Iranian official has been convicted by a Swedish court for prison executions. That's right. These are uh, crimes of uh, war and murder. And a Swedish court did sentence him to life in prison for his role in the mass execution and torture of thousands of prisoners in Iran decades ago. This official's name is Hamid Nouri. He's the former assistant to the deputy prosecutor at the Gohardasht prison west of Tehran. He was lured to Sweden in 2019 and was promptly arrested. He was indicted two years later over his role in the deaths of nearly 5,000 prisoners in the summer of 1988. That was when the most one of the most brutal crackdowns by the Islamic Republic against its opponents happened. This is a landmark ruling because this is the first time an Iranian official has been prosecuted by a foreign country for crimes committed inside Iran and convicted. This delivered a victory to human rights and Iran opposition groups and families of the victims around the world. Iran's current president, Ebrahim Raisi, sat on a three-person committee that interrogated prisoners at the time and ultimately decided who among them would be sent to their deaths. This uh, trial, if you're like wondering, well, what does this have to do with Sweden? Well, 
this trial was prosecuted under the principle of universal jurisdiction, which allows any national court to prosecute atrocities regardless of where they were committed. Uh, For example, in January, a German court sentenced a Syrian intelligence official for crimes against humanity under this same law. So uh, people are pretty happy about this. They had many protesters outside this court, a lot of Iranian expats. As you would expect, Iran denounced the verdict, labeling it a political ruling and said it would damage relationships with Sweden. So there are tensions between Sweden and Iran. I know who knew. Iran said last May that it would execute a dual national Iranian-Swedish scientist named Amadreza Dejalai on murky charges of spying and aiding Israel and assassinating nuclear scientists. He has denied the allegations. So, yes, um, in Sweden, life in prison means you will serve a minimum of 18 years. Nori can appeal that verdict and the sentence, and if and when he is released, he will be expelled from the country. So, this trial went on for 92 days. And prosecutors tried to prove that Nori participated in the 1988 killing of sympathizers of the Mujahideen Kalk. You guys might have heard these in the, at this acronym. They are known as the MEK. That is an armed militia that has been designated by the United States as a terrorist group. But they fought with Iraq against Iranians during the Iran-Iraq war. And it uh, aims to overthrow the Iranian leadership. So... Prosecutors presented evidence that this guy, Nori, selected prisoners to be placed before an execution commission, led them through the so-called death corridor, and provided information to the committee about the prisoners. He escorted prisoners to the gallows and even on occasion participated in the execution. The killings at that prison were part of a wider crackdown in which the Iranian authorities, acting on the orders of the Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini, executed as many as 5,000 prisoners in at least 32 cities across the country. Yeah, the MEK was rolled up in it because they were based in Iraq, but they carried out an operation in Iran that sought to bring down the Iranian government, but that operation failed, and that's when they rounded up all these MEK guys, and um, soon... The executions began. How did they lure him? Hmm. Well, somehow a guy, a survivor of the Gohardasht prison, now living in Sweden, who is a writer, human rights activist, uh, named Araj Mezdagi, he is Mr. Nori's former son-in-law. Somehow he got Nori to come to Sweden, and then he alerted the Swedish authorities, and then Nori was arrested when he arrived at the airport. Wow. Yeah, he survived 10 years, did Ms. Doggy, the former son-in-law, in three different prisons because of his ties to the MEK. Okay, well, good. That's good news. Another fucking shitbag gone. All right, let's do... Um, okay, well, you know, I debated the... Um, I debated the morning the the music this morning you guys and i almost played something from this artist but uh 
you know, I just didn't couldn't find anybody to really set the mood. And usually when I play music specifically from an artist, it means that that artist has passed away. Well, this guy, his well, his career might have passed away. Who am I talking about? Anybody know? Have a guess? It is Ricky Martin. Yeah, you guys all remember Ricky Martin. Living La Vida Loca. You guys all remember that shit? Yep. Well, he is being fucking um, investigated. And the investigation is uh, pretty gross, the details. But it could like be all, all bullshit. Apparently, a man has come forward. Oh, my God. This article from TMZ is fucking brutal. Uh, the, the, this guy is coming forward. <laughs> TMZ. Jesus Christ. What, what are you doing here? I actually have another one of these articles about Ricky Martin. I'm just going to scroll quickly and see if I can find it. Cause that was a fucking coat hanger abortion, whatever, whatever. I don't know if they did, you know, dictated into a machine or it was just written by a AI fucking bot or whatever. But that was, that was just uh, harsh. Basically you guys, while I look for a different kind of article here, um, Ricky Martin's nephew is accusing him of incest. I know it's fucking gross. Like he was raped and I believe he was underage at the time as well. So it's not looking uh, too good for the singer. Now his lawyer is pushing back on this and he's saying, no, this man who's, he's got a long history of mental health problems, blah, blah, blah. This is all lies. Ricky Martin has uh, never done anything. By the way, uh, Ricky Martin is a gay man. If you didn't know now, I have a different article here that I have finally managed to locate. So these are domestic violence allegations reported by his 21 year old nephew. And it was revealed that two weeks ago, a judge in Puerto Rico has issued a domestic violence related restraining order against Ricky Martin. So the alleged victim's name was not disclosed. However, according to Spanish publications, Martin's brother, Eric Martin, Claim that the singer is 21-year-old Dennis Yadiel Sanchez, the singer's nephew. Martin is 50 years old. Um, this article is not very well written either. I'm trying to fucking just what what did he what did the fucking kids say? Oh my god, I don't need to read about Ricky's career. I want to know exactly what the kids said. Uh, let me see here. The publication was made anonymously, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay. The order states Martin and the person who filed the complaint dated for seven months, which means they were fucking. Then the alleged victim claimed that Martin did not take their breakup well and has loitered near the man's home for at least three times and kind of like, you know, stalked him a little bit and all this shit. So when reached by the New York Post, Martin's attorney, Marty Singer said, quote, unfortunately, the person who made this claim is struggling with deep mental health challenges. Ricky Martin has, of course, never been and would never be involved in any kind of sexual or romantic relationship with his nephew, end quote. Hmm. Okay. Well, you you know what? This kind of, no, I, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but a couple weeks ago, Martin was slapped with a $3 million lawsuit from his ex-manager, Rebecca Drucker. 
And the, those legal documents alluded to her protecting the singer from, quote, potentially career-ending allegation, end quote. Hmm. Now, I don't have the kid's police report in front of me because usually, like, if it's incredibly detailed, I believe it more. But since I don't have it, I can't really read anything to you guys. So who knows? People are weird and do say crazy things. So there's there's no doubt about that. But I'll, I'll keep an eye on that one. And yeah, I was going to open the show with Living La Vida Loca and seeing if you guys figured out what I was going to do. But ultimately, I decided against it. So let's keep going. Gross, dude. Fucking Ricky Martin. If it was him. If not, you know, that's fine. I'm, I'm sorry in advance. Let's go to this one. Let's go to the uh, the headline. Man posing as officer attacked gay men in a Washington park, according to prosecutors. 48-year-old Michael Thomas Pruden sprayed five men at Meridian Hill Park with a chemical irritant over three years while pretending to be a park police officer, according to the Justice Department. Mm. He has been indicted on assault charges. And uh, falsely pretending to be a police officer. He was arrested in Norfolk, Virginia. Five counts of assault on federal land and a hate crimes sentencing enhancement, by the way. Uh, And you guys kind of know where I'm going with this when I mention gay men in a park. Yeah, it is informally known this park is in the Washington, D.C. community to be a meeting location for men seeking to engage in sexual encounters with other men. At night. So apparently what Pruden was doing, he would go to the park with his flashlight and approach men he found banging in the bushes or sucking each other off in the bushes or whatever they were doing and gave them police-style commands as he shined a light in their face and sprayed them with a chemical irritant. (laughs) Come on, Pruden. Now, the, if he didn't, I'm wondering what evidence they have of that, because maybe from the witnesses, he did, because they are saying that Pruden falsely assumed and pretended to be a park police officer. So he could face up to 10 years in prison on each assault charge. And then if the hate crime enhancement goes, then that would be even more. Um, Yeah, that's right. He was actually, oh, listen to this. Pruden was acquitted by a jury last year of a similar attack in an island in Virginia. He had been accused of pepper spraying two men and hitting one of them in the head with a large stick. He had shouted, quote, I'm a cop, end quote, at the men and pretended to talk into a police radio. According to it, how did he get, he got acquitted for that? That seems like oddly specific. Like, how would you, you know, so what? He never did that? He never hit somebody with a stick? Was that all made up? It's very weird. And gay guys, once again, I'm asking you, this isn't the 1950s. You don't have to bang in the bushes anymore. Get a fucking hotel like everybody, all the rest of us do. You know? Or if you're closeted, fine. They have the motels that charge by the hour. There's plenty of them. It's not that bad. Uh, Come on, guys. There's little kids in these parks. I know, not at 3 in the morning, but still. You don't have to do this anymore, okay? You want to fucking chug some dude's cock? Fine, do what the rest of us do. Go get a hotel and slay away, okay? Stop going to the parks and the bushes. I know it's like a tradition. I've talked about this many times, thanks, thanks to my gay friends. And I've been 
educated by gay co-workers as well about this. I understand it's a legacy of the old days when closeted men who had wives and kids back home but still desired that sweet, sweet dick had to go to these, you know, truck stops, bathrooms, parks, saunas, etc. I get it. But it's not that time anymore, okay? That time is past. Rent an Airbnb, rent a quickie motel, fucking get bored out, and then go home, okay? We don't need it in the parks anymore, and you don't need it in the parks, okay? Parks seems like very uncomfortable. It would be wildly uncomfortable. If it's a nostalgic thing that guys still do it just for nostalgia, I don't get it. Because isn't it like cold and damp and twigs poking at you? Wouldn't like a nice fluffy bed be better? I don't, I'm assuming here. I would just assume that it would be. So get on it. Okay, what else? Well, I mentioned I had California stories. So I've got a couple California stories. And then famously Gavin Newsom went to the White House while Biden was gone. Did you guys see that? Fucking slick little bastard. That was good stuff. Uh, so let me start, though, with this California story. This is a big one. California uh, is trying to block gun sales to those at risk of breaking the law. So gun makers and dealers in California will be required to block firearm sales to anyone they have, quote, reasonably cause, reasonable cause to believe is at substantial risk, end quote, of using a gun illegally or of harming themselves or others. That is under a new law that Gavin Newsom announced this week had, that he had been signed. So this obviously goes way beyond the current background checks. And it, I hate to admit that I think it should be up to the dealer, frankly, because as I've talked about with all these mass shootings of like 18, 19 year olds, I'm not necessarily comfortable with some fucking incel bug-eyed video game Minecraft nerd being able to walk in on his 18th birthday and saying, yeah, I'll take those two fucking ARs behind you. You know, if I was the dealer, I'd be like, no, you know, <laughs> get the hell out of here. I do think it should be up to them, but this would like, I don't know if this subjects them to some kind of liability. Now the gun store owners, like, what if you say, you know, what if you say no, could the kid sue you? If you say yes. And then the kid, even though he clears the background check, goes and shoots up a school. Now are you liable for him? Hmm. Uh, let me see if it, uh, this, this is a more of a dozen. This bill was one, uh, one of more than a dozen adding to California's already strict gun regulations. The NRA national rifle association came back. They said the requirements are vague. Oh and yeah. And the NRA does say this represents an attempt to hold gun dealers and makers liable for the actions of others. Hmm. Yep. Delaware and New Jersey have enacted similar laws very, very frequently. Uh, so, yeah, just more and more fucking laws on it. It just sucks because there's just, it's just nonstop war on the us, the legal gun owners who haven't done anything wrong. So I have a few clips of Gavin Newsom here. And I want to start with this one because one of the laws he signed also was a bill that would allow victims of gun violence to sue the makers of the weapons. I've talked about that a few times. It doesn't make any sense to me because the weapon functions perfectly well. It's not like you, usually product liability means like if a gun exploded in your face while you were pulling the trigger, then the gun is defective and you can sue them, similar in automobile. But if a person takes the otherwise working product 
and uses it in its intended manner to hurt someone, then how could you sue the maker of the product? It doesn't make any sense. And as many have pointed out, we have plenty of these. Like, um, you know, could a guy, can you sue Ford because some drunk guy got into the car and mowed down an old lady in a crosswalk? Could you sue Ford for that? Because the, the car was acting as manufactured. Or one better. Let's let's do one better. What if it's a terrorist attack with a car? What if a fucking crazy guy like the incel in Canada, he gets into a truck and mows down a bunch of people on the sidewalk? The car is functioning perfectly as it was manufactured. It's the person operating the car who's the completely deranged one. But under legislation like this, you could sue the manufacturer of the car. So let's hear Gavin Newsom proudly trumpeting this bill. Well, it's well known that nearly every industry is held to account when their products cause harm or injury. Well, except one, <laughs> the gun industry. The gun lobby, well, it spent millions and millions of dollars buying off politicians to shield themselves from any liability. Today, California is going to change that. They can no longer hide from the mass destruction that they have caused. I'll be signing a bill that will allow Californians to sue irresponsible gun manufacturers and distributors. If you've been hurt or a family member is a victim of gun violence, you can now go to court and hold the makers of these deadly weapons accountable. Our kids, families, and communities deserve to live without the worry of gun violence. And with Assemblymember Ting's bill, gun makers will finally be held to account for their role in this crisis. Okay, their role is making a perfectly legal product that some fucking nut misuses. Uh, now... Here he is being interviewed by Alex Michelson. He's a local journalist here. He kind of tagged along with Newsom. He's seen as kind of a non-threatening guy to Newsom. He doesn't ask very hard questions or anything, but he does ask him a lot of questions. So here's Gavin Newsom also talking about um, the Supreme Court and if they're going to buck on this bill. So let's hear what he says on this. I mean, I think for me, uh, one of the important meetings was with Senator Murphy. Just expressed my deep respect and gratitude senator from connecticut who was behind the gun control legislation and i expressed my pride and appreciation but also my frustration uh, that the bill was you know yeah 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 i want to be fair it was inadequate to the realities in the world we're living in but more than we could ever imagine and hope for considering the constraints and so he's a he's a he's a hero to me in this movement uh, but we, I, when I made it clear to him, I have a lot more work to do, and I'll be next week signing a bill that you know well uh, that is very significant. It's modeled after SB8 and the abortion ban uh, that came out of Texas, and it's going to go right to the heart of private right of action um, uh, to where the Supreme Court is on abortion. And the question is whether they are complete and abject hypocrites and frauds if they reject our bill that's modeled after that abortion bill as it relates to private right of action to go after assault weapons in California. And so I just wanted to touch base with him and let him know bottom up, not just top down, California's taking a big and bold step next week uh, to aid in this gun safety effort. Okay, just, I, I can't fucking hand... I'm, I'm, guys, again, this is coming for you. He is running for president, I fucking guarantee you, because first of all, he just easily defeated the recall. He's easily going to... He's up for election uh, this year. So he's easily going to win that. And then he's got four years and he doesn't really want to do anything. He'll be a lame duck governor. So why wouldn't he start? Why wouldn't he run in 2024? 
If he loses, he can just go back to being governor. So I de- he, he's going to. He says he's not going to. He's full of shit. And the funny thing was, remember, he was in D.C. to win an award for because of all he's done for education, which is hilarious. He shut down schools here for 18 months. He shut down public schools while his kids went to private school. And he fucking gets an award. Uh, here he is admitting his education policy sucks and our schools suck. Have, have complained that California actually isn't doing enough when it comes to education. The, the head of the California Republican Party said uh, that we were one among the last to open during COVID, that a third of students yes. are not at grade level when it comes to math and science, and that highlighting California's approaches doesn't really make sense. What do you say to those critics? Well, I'd say what we have seeded are some of the most impactful reforms and innovations uh, don't take my word for it. Take the word of this bipartisan group. But there's no question California's outcomes are suboptimal. And we have got to step things up. That's why we're making these investments. The folks back yeah, there you go. Complained that. It's pretty funny, you guys. You're going to hear Gavin Newsom. He likes to speak in like lots of jargon, saying stuff like suboptimal and stuff like that. Now I have got I've got a couple more clips. I know it's a lot, but again, I want I want to brace you. I want you guys to get used to Gavin Newsom speaking on a on a national stage. Here he is weighing in on the George Gascon recall. George Gascon district attorney for LA County. I'll have more on that uh, a little bit later, but he Alex Michelson asked Gavin Newsom if he thinks George Gascon is doing a good well, job. An aversion to recalls as you know. Uh, and I'm not convinced that's the best democratic approach to solving every problem. But is he doing a good job? I, I, more, I, I don't know enough about the job he's done. I'm deeply concerned about the criticism. And we have expressed ourselves very publicly along those lines, including in Los Angeles, as it relates to some of the issue happening with retail theft, some of the issue was happening on the railroad yards, and I've expressed my own issues privately as well, and I'll leave the more objective analysis. Okay, I want to jump in there and say the fact that he says he doesn't know enough about the job he's done is a joke. He doesn't know about the district attorney of the largest county in the state, Los Angeles County, who previously, by the way, was district attorney of San Francisco County, where Gavin Newsom used to be mayor. So he does, but he doesn't know anything about that, right? Fucking get out of here. And then finally, Alex Michelson asked him about his new rivalry with Florida governor. Ron DeSantis, and uh, you know because Gavin Newsom's been taking out ads and shit in Florida for again. This is because he's running for president. And Alex Michelson asked what he would say to Ron DeSantis if he could talk to him. Let's listen to this. You ever met Ron DeSantis or no, talked to him? No. What would I, you say to him? Uh, you know, stop treating, stop being a bully, stop belittling people that look differently, act differently, love differently. Who the hell are you? Stop. Stop threatening people. Stop being so coercive. It's not power over. Power, dominance, aggressive, fear-mongering. We lived this with the Briggs Initiative in the 1970s. We've lived this in California with Prop 187. Look what Abbott is doing. Abbott's talking about eliminating a fundamental right for people, regardless of their immigration status, to get an education. We were debating that in the 1990s. Watch that space. Watch that Watch space. That, that space. was the Doe decision. They're going to come after that next. This is a real moment for diverse communities. And it's not just, again, DeSantos. It's Abbott. It's Kentucky. It's DeSantos. South Dakota. You go down the list. These red states, there's a ruthlessness. All right. DeSantos. I think that was a little slam. So Governor DeSantis uh, heard about this. 
and he decided to respond. Uh, he was holding a press conference. Let's listen. Well, look, I'm just like this. Everyone wants to talk about me in Florida. I mean, like, I'm just sitting here, little old me, doing my job. I can just tell you this. Uh, I was born and raised in this state, and until the last few years, I rarely, if ever, saw a California license plate in the state of Florida. You now see a lot of them. I can tell you, if you go to California, you ain't seeing very many Florida license plates. <laughs> okay, somebody edited that, obviously. <laughs> All right, so there you go. And also, meanwhile, the L.A. County Board of Supervisors, I've told you guys before, they're very unhappy with the county sheriff, Alex Villanueva, because Alex Villanueva was the one guy in the entire state who was trying to do something about the vagrants. He went out and cleaned up vagrant camps. Uh, You know, the LAPD would not help him. He did it himself. And so now they they have approved a proposal that would give them power to remove the sheriff. Yeah, they directed their attorneys to draft a proposed ballot measure which would give the panel power to remove an elected sheriff from office. Uh, they claim that the sheriff has ignored oversight and accountability. Well, the sheriff is elected. His, his oversight and accountability is to the voters of the county. So they did pass this 4-1. to one. The one supervisor who questioned this was Supervisor Catherine Barga. Barger. And she said uh, she doesn't support the sheriff, but she feels it's wrong. And she wrote, uh, quote, the sheriff in L.A. and all the counties, quite frankly, throughout the state, is an elected official voted in by the people who they represent, end quote. Exactly. There's already ways, by the way, to remove a county sheriff. The, you know, st- the attorney general of the state can remove him for cause. Uh, he can be impeached. He can be voted out. So those are like three ways right there just off the top of my head. But they're afraid that the people actually like Alex Villanueva and won't vote him out. That's the problem. And, by the way, his election is also coming up in November. So we'll keep an eye on that. So there's your uh, California update, you guys. I know most of you don't live here, but you should know Gavin Newsom and all that's uh, happening. He mentioned guns in there. I wanted to hit this really quick. House Democrats are moving to vote on an assault weapons ban, by the way. This will be the first time in decades that Congress has put lawmakers on record to bar the popular firearms. The announcement came Friday morning, yesterday, from Representative Gerald Nadler of uh, New York. And they are going to introduce this next week. The bill would prohibit the sale, transfer, import, and manufacture of hundreds of models of semi-automatic weapons that boast certain features, including those that combine pistol grips with detachable magazines, kind of modeled on the California one. Critically, the ban would not apply to people who already own such weapons. So you're still going to have tens of millions of these weapons, all this shit. And uh, it's unclear if the bill will actually come to the floor after it passes through the Judiciary Committee. It is expected to pass through that committee. The ban is wildly popular among House Democrats. The bill actually has 211 Democratic co-sponsors, but several moderate Democrats who are facing tough re-election contests are not on board with this. One of them is Representative Henry Queller of Texas, He said, quote, I don't believe in bans on weapons, end quote. So another one to watch, another one for you gun nuts to watch. Uh, Quickly, what else here? Oh, listen, this is a big story in the U.K. 
A report is claiming that UK soldiers, British special forces, killed dozens of detainees in a suspicious circumstance during counterinsurgency operations in Afghanistan a decade ago. Yeah, BBC is investigating this, and the BBC is alleging that one SAS unit, Special Air Service, may have unlawfully killed 54 people in the southern Helmand province from 2010 to 2011. They allege that the former head of the UK Special Forces knew about the alleged killings but did not pass on the evidence to a murder inquiry. The Ministry of Defense said the report, quote, jumps to unjustified conclusions from allegations that have already been fully investigated, end quote. The ministry said two independent investigations looked into the conduct of British forces in Afghanistan and neither one of them found sufficient evidence to prosecute. So the BBC investigation focused on one six-month deployment by an SAS squadron that operated in Helmand from late 2010. They claimed the unit carried out killer capture raids to detain Taliban commanders and disrupt bomb-making networks. So, citing operational reports detailing the Special Forces' accounts of night raids, the BBC say they found a pattern of similar reports of Afghan men being shot dead because they pulled out weapons after they were detained. Officials were concerned that more people were killed than weapons were reportedly uncovered, suggesting that the SAS soldiers were shooting unarmed people. Hmm. The report then says that internal emails showed that senior officials were concerned but failed to report the suspicions to military police. Yeah, well, they're already gone and fucking, you know what? I don't know. This is ancient history at this point, and it's all convoluted anyway, and what's this going to accomplish? Nothing. Okay, let's keep going. And go to this one. Oh, this is okay. So, guys, I'm going to take a hit on this because I did believe this was false news. And I put it out on Twitter. And I I even kept my original tweet up for integrity reasons. But let's talk about this 10-year-old girl who had to get an abortion in Ohio. I'm sorry. She got the abortion in Indianapolis. She's from Ohio. And a lot of people thought this was very fake news because the sole source for the story was one activist and she wasn't talking and nobody could find any records and like a week went by and there was no further details. So then the Washington Post published a story that was skeptical of it and I put out a tweet and I said, they made it all up. Well, like a day later, finally, oh, and that that also followed the attorney general for the state saying he couldn't find any records. So it sounded like this didn't happen. So, um, so yeah, I did, I did tweet. I was like, this sounds like they made it all up. Well, it did apparently happen. And the other reason I thought it was all made up because the chances of a 10 year old becoming pregnant are extremely rare. Like Wikipedia had some kind of entry on that. It's it's like a tiny, tiny, tiny number of people who have ever gotten pregnant at age 10. So the whole thing did smell like bullshit, but it, does, it did happen. So this rape victim is 10 years old, apparently. She crossed state lines from Ohio to get that abortion in Indianapolis. And the Indiana Attorney General, Todd Rokita, told Fox News that he intended to investigate Dr. Caitlin Bernard. She's the Indiana obstetrician who first shared the story. And again, she's a big, you know, pro-choice activist. He, uh, the, the attorney general said that, you know, she didn't file the right reports. 
Well, documents obtained by the New York Times appears to contradict that assertion. The document is a, quote, terminated pregnancy report, end quote, filed with the Indiana Department of Health and Department of Child Services, stated that Dr. Bernard provided abortion medication, which is a two-pill combination, to a 10-year-old patient on June 30th. The report was dated July 2nd, which puts it within Indiana's three-day reporting requirement. So now they are a spokesman for the attorney general said that his office is continue to, continuing to gather evidence. And this all came up because of the new state laws. Ohio law, the new one, bans almost all abortions after fetal cardiac activity can be detected, usually by about six weeks of pregnancy. Well... Because of that, her family took her to Indiana to receive an abortion where the procedure is legal up to 22 weeks. And then President Biden cited it. And now the speculation has ended when it has been revealed that a 27-year-old Ohio man has been arrested and charged with the rape. And this is adding a new wrinkle because according to reports, this is an illegal immigrant from Guatemala and the form filed by the doctor listed the approximate age of the father as 17. So did she do that on purpose to make him also a minor? Because he's 27. That's a fucking big difference in physical looks. Sometimes it might be hard to tell, like, you know, a 37-year-old a from a 47-year-old. But it's not that hard to tell a 17-year-old from a 27-year-old. So a lot of questions are still being uh, arisen, including the mother. Like, what was going on with the mom, right? <laughs> because they managed to interview her, a reporter from Telemundo, went to the door of the house, and the mother said the child is hers, and then that she went on to say that everything they say about the guy who was arrested, a guy named Gerson Flores, is a lie, that's what she said. So I'm going to play just a minute of this. It's in, it's in Spanish, and I know I have uh, Spanish speaking. I know I have Spanish speakers in the audience. I speak decent Spanish. I'm just going to play a minute of this and uh, go from there. Let's hear this. That, that's the mom. Y la niña, eh, usted es familiar de la niña. Es mi hija. La señora quien se negó a dar su nombre y quien ocultó su rostro asegura que ella no ha impuesto cargos en contra de Gerson Fuentes de 27 años quien está acusado de violación. De acuerdo a las autoridades, él confesó que tuvo contacto vaginal al menos dos veces con la niña que recientemente cumplió 10 años, por lo que se estima que pudiera haber... Okay, let me stop it there. Basically, the mom said, yes, she's my daughter, and also the mom has not filed charges the child recently just turned 10 so this is probably when the child was nine years old so now there's a lot of theories because first of all he's an illegal immigrant so a lot of people are speculating did the mom not want to press charges or say anything because this flores guy is actually her boyfriend, because later on there's another interview with Telemundo where they interview some neighbors and the neighbor's like, no, 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 this Flores guy is the mom's boyfriend and the mom is pregnant also with Flores' child. So maybe the mom is like, well, I don't want to turn him in for raping my daughter because then he'll get deported and I'll be alone with this kid. And, and again, this is massive speculation, but just a very, very weird, weird story.
So as long as we're talking about the abortion thing, I have to play these clips. They had some kind of fucking hearing on Capitol Hill. And they invited UC Berkeley professor of law, Kiara Bridges, to talk about stuff. <laughs> and this was... This clip was going around quite a bit, uh, but an exchange between her and Senator Josh Howley. And this, this clip, I'm about to play, 4 million views right now. And he started asking her about her verbiage, because she liked to say person with a capacity for pregnancy. So let's, uh, let's listen to that. Let's Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Uh, before, uh, I, I want to visit with you, Ms. Meske, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, We can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Are you? Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you're pregnant. denying that trans people exist? Thank and that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no. They're, they're told that to they're at, opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow. I, I would learn a lot. I've learned a lot you, just I know. from this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. was <laughs> uh, great. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you would. All right, uh, and then there was this uh, exchange uh, between Representative, I don't have the first name, uh, Norman. Um, Norman and some fucking other activist. Let's listen to this. I assume you agree with infanticide, the killing of a child, a perfectly healthy child at birth. I don't accept the basis of that question, but I do believe abortion is health care. I'm talking about, do you agree? I, I know, I get that, but do you agree? I mean, are you in, do you support infanticide, killing a child after he's born? I do not agree with the basis of that question, What's but I basis? do believe that abortion is health care. Okay, so I'll take that as a yes, you do agree. Why is it so, this is, this is the target. You guys know I'm like pro-choice, but this is the stuff that turns people off. Why can't you just say, yeah, if a child is born, we're not going to fucking kill it, even if it's not wanted. It's not that hard. Wow, that's what I'm saying. These the it's tough, you know, I'm again, I'm pro-choice, but the vast majority of Americans are like, you know, not pro-choice after 15 weeks. But to these activists, it's like, hey, no, whatever the one wants, it fucking doesn't matter. And then now let's listen to Senator Elizabeth Warren. She wants to, she was talking about crisis pregnancy centers. She talks about them as like they're 
getting in the way of women having abortion. These crisis pregnancy centers are often run by religious people, and they're there because they don't believe in abortion. Okay, whatever. And they like want to talk people out of abortion. That is their mission. They, they would like they would rather people have the kid. So in that capacity, they offer counseling and clothing and food and child support and all that stuff. Let's listen to how Elizabeth Warren describes them. Senator Elizabeth Warren. In Massachusetts right now, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. Okay, so she wants to shut down all those places. Now, a common line from the big libs is that, uh, oh, you conservatives, uh, you pro-life people. You're only pro-life until the kid is born. Then you want to throw them, you know, throw them to the fucking wolves, like Sparta style. And these crisis pregnancy centers, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, that's actually what they're there for. And now you have Elizabeth Warren. How dare you try to talk to somebody who's pregnant and wants an abortion to not get one? I mean, that's a huge decision. You know, people go on in life to be glad they had an abortion. That, that happens. And people regret their abortions. That happens as well. So maybe somebody should talk to like a fucking 15-year-old or 16-year-old girl who's scared, doesn't know what to do. You know, maybe she'll decide to have it. Maybe she'll give it up for adoption. Maybe there are other options. That's all I'm saying. Okay, enough about I'm so tired of fucking talking about abortion. Honestly, the fucking, of the, all the lists of shit that we have to deal with, you know, you guys see abortion never even shows up on the political polls. I have other clips from that, but honestly, I'm just going to keep moving on. But speaking of pregnant women, this fucking one was going around. Did you see the anesthesiologist in uh, Brazil who fucking put his dick in the chick's mouth while she was giving getting a C-section? Yeah, there's video. It's, uh, it's uh, Giovanni Bezerra, 32 years old. He's, an, he's a newly minted um, anesthesiologist in Brazil. This is at the Hospital da Muller in San João de Meriti. God, I, these fucking verbs are killing me today. He was arrested on suspicion of rape after he was secretly filmed putting his penis in the woman's mouth after he sedated her. Yeah, he had only completed his medical training two months ago. Apparently, hospital staff were reportedly worried about the amount of drugs he was giving to his patients, so he fitted, they fitted a secret camera to see what he was up to. So then, this fucking camera records the guy. He's in his scrubs. There's like a curtain between the woman's... You know how they put up the curtain between the patient's head and face and the rest of their body? They do that a lot. So he's kind of behind this curtain, so you just see him on video, and he just fucking pulls his dick out of his pants and sticks it in her mouth. He reportedly assaulted her for almost 10 minutes. And um, they're now investigating to see if he has other victims going on here. And it's uh, I heard they're looking at at least like three or four others. Um, what else? The nurses got this idea because they were worried about what we were doing. Oh, here we go. Yeah, they're already investigating whether a similar attack happened to two other patients and that another three women treated on different days have come forward to accuse him of that abuse. Oh, no. <laughs> Just, 
Well, there's a new detail. Uh, I just opened up the Newsweek article. So, obviously, the surgical team doing a C-section, like I said, there's a curtain there, right? So, they are unable to see the patient from the neck up. This oral, whatever you want to, oral rape lasted for about 10 minutes. And here's the line that is regrettable from Newsweek. Quote, at the end of the alleged attack, Bezerra was also recorded cleaning the woman's mouth with gauze, end quote. What does that imply to you guys? It sadly does imply to me that he finished. <laughs> so, uh, how can that, dude, it's, I mean, it's, I'm almost impressed. You can finish in those, a passed out chick who's getting a C-section and there's three other people in the room and they're cutting her belly open. You can see all her guts and you finish. Wow, bro. Okay. Let's uh, talk about Hunter Biden. Yes, his shit was hacked and all uploaded. I, I saw it all. There's so much stuff on Telegram, I couldn't even go through all of it. But yes, he is now fucking uh, all up in sh some shit. First of all, he could face prostitution charges for transporting hookers across state lines and disguising checks to them as payments for, quote, medical services, end quote. They say Hunter Biden... From documents, texts, and videos obtained by the DailyMail.com and others show that he spent $30,000 on escorts in a five-month period. Wow. One of his, uh, some of his activity was even filed, flagged by J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah, they filed a suspicious activity report on him uh, and his payments to these prostitutes. So she could be, he could be in trouble for that. But some of the other stuff <clears throat> is really fucking funny. Uh, according to his text messages, he liked to use the N-word a lot. <clears throat> it was the less uh, standby for potential racial slurs, you guys. He would use phrases like, quote, true dat nigga, end quote. And he used the less harsh version of the N-word, the one that ends with A rather than ER, multiple times. He used to address his corporate attorney, George Masirius, who was white, by the way. And uh, he, for example, in December 2018, Hunter asked the lawyer, quote, how much money do I owe you? Because nigga, you better not be charging me Hennessy rates, end quote. <laughs> uh, these are all texts again. This whole fucking thing is, was all leaked. Hours and hours of media footage. Apparently, anytime Hunter was either banging a hooker or getting banged by a hooker or smoking crack... He would then quickly fucking grab the video camera. As a matter of fact, here he is arguing with a hooker about how much crack he has. You guys probably saw this one with him with the scale. The scale with all the fucking crack on it. Two point zero seven without the bag. So how long is two point zero? Yeah, there's Hunter Biden. I know you can't hear much of it, but uh, you guys probably know the video I'm talking about. I kind of like old Hunter, you guys. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's kind of fun having a having a crackhead son of the president running around. Like I've said before, I would actually like to see more of them at the Oval Office. Imagine they're like trying to take like a formal picture and Hunter's like in the back, like all scratching, fucking going through withdrawal symptoms. All right, let's keep going. This story, woof. A 36-year-old father hanged himself by accident when he tried to scare his fiance after they watched American Horror Story on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Burns, after a night out in Carlisle, Cumbria, 
decided to prank his fiancée. They'd been having a laugh. Uh, yeah, he was uh, fucking around in Cumbria. His wife, his girlfriend, sorry, Michelle, told a hearing that she turned around after singing along to the TV at the couple's home to see Philip Burns hanging with his back to the living room door. She ran out in the street to get help, but it was too late to save his life. This actually happened in February 28th, but they're doing an inquest, which is why it made the news. Uh, so they, they do, she did say they'd been watching American Horror Story that weekend, and Burns had been trying to scare her. Uh, a toxicological test of his blood revealed that he had high levels of alcohol in his system and traces of cocaine. Hmm. Yep. Philip fucking did it. And uh, did this have any details in this? Oh, well, here's something. Burns had been released from prison in February of 2020 after being convicted of assault on a child. So, I don't know. But they did conclude that this was a fucking long accident. Man, somehow, maybe that was karma catching up with them, huh? Okay, I got to do this one. Did you guys see the Alejandro Ocasio-Cortez fucking troll? <laughs> this guy, I'm going to play the clip in a minute. But yeah, she was on the steps of the Capitol when um, she was accosted by this guy, Alex Stein. Now, I've previously played Alex Stein, not really as a fan. You guys remember like a, some podcasts ago where Dan Crenshaw was somewhere and that guy was screaming, I patch McCain at him, you fucking rhino, I patch McCain, blah, blah, blah. And I said at the time, I was like, you know what? You can make fun of people. You don't have to bring up their fucking war wounds. You can do other ways. There's plenty of ways to make fun of people that. And I thought it was disrespectful. So that being said, sometimes he can occasionally be funny. And this is this is also disrespectful. Don't get it twisted. But he did, uh, he, was, he was hanging out on the Capitol steps and he was just yelling at politicians. Like he also got into it, Adam Kitzinger. And he was making fun of him, calling him a rhino and stuff like that. Well, Alejandro Ocasio-Cortez walks by. And he decides to fucking call her out. So let's hear it. AOC, my favorite big booty Latina. I love you, AOC. You're my favorite. She wants to kill babies, but she's still beautiful. You look very beautiful in that dress. You look very sexy. Look at that booty on AOC. That's my favorite big booty Latina. I love it. My favorite AOC. Nice to meet you, AOC. Look how sexy she looks in that dress. Woo, I love it, AOC. Hot, hot, hot like a tamale. Okay, so that's him. And I will say, by the way, I've often said that AOC, I think, is hot. She looked fucking fantastic. She was wearing this little mini dress, and uh, yeah, she's got a nice body, and uh, she looked good. So anyway, AOC thought this was fucking, like, practically a rape or something. Remember, AOC famously wants to get rid of cops and also famously ridiculed Supreme Court justices for being stalked by protesters. But apparently she called the Capitol Police like five times to have this guy. So it's always like great to say that kind of stuff until something happens to you. Well, AOC gets on Instagram. She decides to respond. Let's listen hey to this. Hey, everybody. I'm here in the Capitol. Um, see this guy right there? Right there. He, when I was walking up, um, he said, hey, it's right in front of the Capitol Police officer. Hey, uh. Here's this, look at that big ass, look at that big juicy booty, <laughs> this Latina, like whatever, you know, all the bunch of racist, sexist stuff. And since 
Nobody can do anything. I'm just telling you because um, this institution is not designed to protect people. And it's really hard and it's really sad that my only recourse is to just let you know about it, but That's the institution we're in. Okay, so uh, now, I again, I would have more sympathy for her if she wasn't going around. Remember, she mocked Brett Kavanaugh, who had to leave out the back door of a restaurant. And AOC famously tweeted out, hey, protests, so you're not, protests don't have to make somebody uncomfortable. Uh, comfortable. As a matter of fact, protests should make people uncomfortable. And she mocked Kavanaugh by saying, oh, gee, that's too bad. Maybe he didn't have time to finish his souffle. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what she said. So I would have more sympathy if it was somebody who didn't say stuff like that and didn't want to defund the police. And also, if you're famous, it's generally not a good policy to feed the trolls because you just made this guy fucking way bigger. I checked his uh, Twitter. He's gained like tens of thousands of followers from this. So He's also that same guy who likes to go around to city council meetings and, and pretend to be like a transgender swimmer, stuff like that. So that's Alex Stein. Uh, let's move on. Doctors pulled a water bottle from a constipated Iranian man's ass after the 50-year-old's wife took him to a hospital. Yes, many of you did send this to me. The man inserted a seven and a half water bottle up his rectum in February. Unable to extract the item, he waited three days before seeking help. Uh, afraid of his wife's reaction, he did not fully explain his condition to the medical doctor's. Um, I'm looking at an x-ray. I, I think the, I'm not, I don't know if the water bottle was full of water, but you know how plastic water bottles, you know, under compression, they, they collapse, right? Well, this on the x-ray looks very thick and wide, like there's either water in it or it just didn't collapse at all, but it is right there. You can see it pretty obviously. Yep. He had pushed the bottom of the bottle in first. Ah, yeah, the doctors at the Imam Khomeini Hospital did not say if the man explained why he had shoved the bottle inside of him. I, th I think we know why he shoved the bottle inside of him. It's always the same reason. Now, to the guy's credit, he didn't make up some fucking bullshit. He just, he didn't say anything at all. But they did drag the hospital out of his anus after they gave him some anesthesia. And there was no rupture or bleeding and they didn't find any internal injuries or perforation to the lower intestine. So, very good. One month on, the guy has suffered no further problems, and uh, he's not had any trouble with his bowel movements. Okay. <laughs> Bro, come on. Just fucking get a, just get a dildo, a safe one with a handle of some kind, or have your wife peg you like Hunter did, that prostitute. All right. Let's keep going here. Um, let's talk about some vagrant stories. Did you guys see the Olympic silver medalist volleyball player post that video after she was attacked by a homeless guy in LA? Guy came after her with a metal pipe. This was Kim Glass. Uh, she was leaving lunch with a friend when the attacker threw a metal pipe at her face. She's very, very lucky. There will be no permanent damage to her vision. Again, this all kind of plays in with the George Gascon recall because he notoriously doesn't won't do anything about the homeless situation. Uh, she's also a model. Looking at a picture of her in a bikini, 
She was in the 2011 Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Very hot. But she made a little uh, video. Let's hear what she had to say uh, right from the horse's mouth. Olympic medalist Kim Glass. I was leaving lunch. I was outside, and I was saying goodbye to a friend. And um, this homeless man ran up. Um, he had something in his hand. On, he was outside of the car in the street. And he just, like, looked at me with some pretty hateful eyes. And um, as I turned to go tell my friend, I think something's, like, wrong with him. And I think he's going to hit the car. Before I knew it, a big metal bolt, like, pipe hit me and hit me right here, here. I just, it happened so fast. He literally flung it from the street lunch. As I was leaving lunch. Okay, I, I'm sorry, you guys. That's not me. That's basically, it's a Twitter video, but the video was put on Instagram. It was the same with the AOC thing. That's why there's those little gaps in between. So, yeah, but her face, dude, her one eye is completely shut and swollen. She has this huge cut on her nose. It could have been fucking way worse. She's really lucky. And then breaking this morning, 37-year-old NASCAR driver Bobby East was stabbed to death at a California gas station as he filled up his car. Yeah. Now, I'm a little bit confused, and I have not checked here. I immediately think vagrant, because when you think Southern California and a stabbing random, you always think vagrant. This story says police arrested Trent William Millsap, 27. I saw another story where he was shot to death by the police, the Millsap guy, the vagrant. I'm looking at his fucking picture right now. He's a white guy. Tattoos all over his face. And he has a shaved head. And he's got a tattoo all over where his hair would be too. And on his neck. It's amazing. These guys always have plenty of money for tattoos. Yeah, Millsap was accused also of stabbing another man at the 76 gas station before he stabbed Bobby East. Um, I, I don't know who Bobby... Apparently, he was very big in racing and a, kind of a celebrity. It was enough to trend uh, highly on tr Twitter this morning. So, uh, yeah, we'll see after I get off uh, the podcast, get done with that, if it was actually... If he was arrested or killed or what. And also on homeless, California cops discovered an underground bunker powered by stolen electricity to homeless encampment. It contained $100,000 worth of stolen goods, including three shotguns, ammunition, power tools... Yeah, you got to go see this picture. It's like a full-on fucking bunker, dude. Like the fucking uh, Viet Cong used or something like that. This is in Coyote Creek in San Jose. And Starbucks is going to permanently close 16 of their stores in cities across the United States, including Seattle, Los Angeles, Portland, Philadelphia, and D.C. after staff are accosted by customers high on drugs. That's right. They said the reported disruptions included drug use by not only paying customers, but by more often just general members of the public. Now, remember, famously, Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz, remember the, remember the policy put in place a couple years back trying to be woke? They had that open bathroom policy where they said, because remember that, that came after a video I played on a podcast a couple years back where the black dudes were tossed out of the Starbucks for just using the bathroom and not ordering anything and it became a huge shitstorm. So then the CEO said, okay, fine. Anybody can use the bathroom in any Starbucks. What do you think happened? Yes, the vagrants promptly flooded the bathrooms, and that's what happened. So it was a complete backfire, as I predicted it would be at the time, right again. 
And uh, yeah, yeah. This it's, I, I'm just going. I have another Daily Mail tab open from the Bobby E story, and this one says the the killer was killed in a SWAT raid. And the last story I read was also Daily Mail. So I honestly don't fucking know, you guys. I'll have to wait till I get off this because I don't feel like looking it up. And then finally, just for a kind of amusing homeless story to finish that up, there's a Yellowstone actress being charged with disability payment fraud. <laughs> yeah, somebody named... I have not... I've only seen one episode of Yellowstone. I liked it. I just haven't gotten around to watching the rest. Yellowstone actress Korianka Kilcher has been charged with illegally collecting nearly $97,000 in disability benefits while working on a TV show. She's been charged with two felony counts of workers' comp insurance fraud. Wow. She played uh, somebody for four episodes in Yellowstone. She was also in 2019's Dora and the Lost City of Gold. So actually, while working on that movie, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, she allegedly injured her neck and right shoulder. A year later, she told a doctor handling the insurance claim that she'd be an offered work, but she could not take it because of severe neck pain from her injury. So then she got the 97 grand in temporary disability benefits. But while she was getting the benefits, she had worked on Yellowstone for several months during the period she claimed to be disabled. Whoops. Yeah. Can't put anything on social media, that's for sure. Okay, what else here? I'm already running out of out of time. This is insane. I still have so many fucking tabs open. Okay, well, we have to go to a few political um, clips, of course. Let's start with the fun one. Yes, First Lady Jill Biden had to apologize to Latinos after saying they were unique as breakfast tacos at the Latinx Luncheon in San Antonio. That's the way they spelled it, L-I-T-I-N-X. This was a speech on Hispanic inclusivity. And the funny thing was this was a written speech. So the, her white liberal fucking writers thought that this fucking was a fire fucking line. <laughs> That's the funny part about it. Oh, and also she mis she mispronounced a uh, a very specific word. I'm going to play the clip right now, and you guys will pick out the word probably almost immediately, especially those of you from New York City. Let's listen to Jill Biden. But we can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, <laughs> is your strength. Okay, yes, of course the word was Bogoda, not Bodega, Bogoda. Yeah, a bodega, of course, is a fucking wildly overrated, dirty, fucking crappy corner market in New York City, which for some reason they think is like the tits and super unique, even though everybody has one of those in their town practically. Yeah, we've got like 10 of them here in San Diego. Senator Ted Cruz had a little bit of fun with this. Let's listen to this. Of ice cream. The Biden White House has time to write speeches at something called a Latinx conference, I don't know what that is, where they very kindly called Latinos tacos. Well, Marco and I both appreciate being called tacos. Marco Rubio. Think, remember about that speech? <laughs> that wasn't a gaffe. 
That wasn't Joe Biden going off script. Some White House operative sat down and typed into the teleprompter. <laughs> he did. This is a good idea to he call did. Hispanics a bunch of tacos. He did. Uh, of course, she didn't mean anything by it, but, you know, if it was Trump, everybody would have lost their mind. It's just funny. Remember Jill Biden? Remember the famous uh, Cisse Plodway? <laughs> she mispronounced when she last tried to speak. She's like the whitest white lady on the planet. Yeah, she was trying to say, si se puede, yes we can in Spanish. Uh, that was like a year ago, and she's, it came out like si se puede or something like like not even fucking close. Uh, and then what else happened with, uh, with that? Of course, Kamala Harris uh, had a, a few speeches. Let's listen to this. In different places in our country to talk about the longstanding, very serious problem of lead pipes, where our babies are being forced to drink toxic water, having well-documented then health consequences, including consequences to their ability to learn. So together we did the work to remove lead pipes. We are in the process of doing that to ensure that no child has to drink water poisoned with lead and to make sure that we again are doing everything we can, understanding our children. God has given them so much capacity, but we here on earth must do our part to make sure they are protected and can live in an environment that allows them to thrive, which is why together we also have addressed the issue of high-speed internet. I know there are a whole lot of folks here right now who know what that pandemic meant to your child's ability to learn and go to school. Okay, I can't, I can't fucking listen to her. I was, there's more about fucking how she met all kinds of parents who can't afford internet. I, I see fucking poor people with phones. So I don't know what she's talking about. Uh, what else for the political audio? Um, here's a teen girl who is medically transitioned with hormones. She's testifying against a California bill from Scott Weiner. He wants to get rid of any anti-trans counseling or, or anything like that. So this this girl, it sounds like she was a biological female who was transitioned to a, a, a male. Well, let's listen to a little bit of this. Go. Wants to My pull name up. is Chloe Cole, and I am a 17-year-old detransitioner from the Central Valley. I was medically transitioned from ages 13 to 16. My parents took me to a therapist who affirmed my male identity and the therapist did not care about causality or encouraged me to learn to be comfortable in my body. He brushed off my parents' concerns about the efficacy of hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries. My parents were given the threat of suicide as a reason to move me forward in my transition. My endocrinologist, after two or three appointments, put me on puberty blockers and injectable testosterone. At age 15, I asked to remove my breasts. My therapist continued to affirm my transition. I attended a top surgery class that was filled with around 12 girls that thought were, they were men, most were my age or younger. None of us were going to be men. We were fleeing from the uncomfortable feeling of becoming women. I was unknowingly physically cutting off my true self from my body, irreversibly and painfully. Our trans identities were not questioned. I went through with surgery. Despite having therapists and attending the top surgery class, I really didn't understand all the ramifications of any of the medical decisions I was making. I wasn't capable of understanding, and it was downplayed consistently. My parents, on the other hand, were pressured to continue my so-called gender journey with a suicide threat. I will never be able to breastfeed a child. I have blood clots in my urine. 
I am unable to fully empty my bladder. I do not yet know if I am capable of carrying a child to full term. In fact, even the doctors who put me on puberty blockers and testosterone do not know. SB 107 is circumventing state's laws, and I've needed safeguards in place so my story is not repeated. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. She's probably lucky that uh, it doesn't sound like she had bottom surgery. You know, I feel for trans people, I've said it many times, the real ones. Uh, I would again advise, I would say not to alter your body. I mean, if you want to wear a dress, fine, it's America, but I would not alter your body in any way because there's unintended consequences. And then as, you know, and then as far, but there's there's a lot more. Like, you guys have seen the stats. Like, people who say they transgender, children, it's skyrocketing. And a lot of this is just like, well, like she says, they're uncomfortable with their bodies. It's kind of the cool thing now to be different. Because if you're just a regular straight girl, like, who cares, right? In our society, that's not cool. So we're looking for some kind of identity. And maybe they are, maybe they're not. But they shouldn't fucking be given, like, under any of that stuff, in my opinion. And then, uh, you know, Trump had a, uh, a rally, like, a week ago. I know it's a little bit old, but it's still, uh, he still had, he went up to Alaska. He dropped an F-bomb. Yeah, let's uh, listen to Trump at the rally, July 9th. So I'd hit him on the left, I'd hit him on the right. I'd hit him in the fucking center, sir, right? There you go. Now, we don't know if he's running for president, but he did kind of tease it in this speech. We didn't have to worry about it because we won. We won by so much, you know. I won twice. I did much better the second time than I did the first, believe it or not. Getting many, many millions more votes than we did in 2016. You did, but you didn't get enough. I'm getting more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country by far. And now, with the approval of the great people of Alaska, we may have to do it again. Whoa. Okay. What do you think? Is he going to do it? Honestly, the only reason I wanted to do it would be the absolute fucking freak out of the media. That would be amusing. Okay, let's do a few quick hits because I'm way behind. There's still some audio I want to get to. Uh, Let me see here. We had a senior airman in the Air Force charged with murder in a deadly shooting outside of a bar in Tampa. That was 2.45 a.m., dude. A 22-year-old man was shot with multiple gunshot wounds, and 25-year-old Jared Dion White told them that he had just shot somebody, and yes, he was uh, on active duty in the Air Force. A lot of you guys sent me this one. Oklahoma man allegedly killed his friend while fishing because he thought the victim would feed him to Bigfoot. This is just redneck gloriousness. Uh, Larry Doyle Sanders, 53, was arrested and charged with 51st-degree murder. He had gone noodling or fishing with bare hands on Saturday at the South Canadian River with his friend Jimmy Knighton. Confrontation ensued, and Sanders told authorities he struck and then strangled Knighton. And a state law enforcement officer wrote that Sanders told him he discovered at the river that Knighton, quote, intended to feed him to Sasquatch, end quote. He was afraid, lashed out. I hope that comes up in the trial, that defense. (laughs) That should be great. Oh, man. What else? Katie Hill, the former congresswoman, has filed for bankruptcy. 
She lost her revenge porn lawsuit from last year. Remember, uh, she resigned from Congress in 2019, and that scandal included leaked nudes of Katie Hill. Well, she sued a British tabloid over publishing them, and she lost, and now she owes them hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. And that follows last year, she was ordered to pay about $220,000 after losing the case to various attorneys and uh, journalists that she sued. So she went ahead and filed for bankruptcy. All right. Um, Monthly car loan payments have hit an all-time high. Those paying $1,000 a month for a car loan doubled in the space of a year. I'll just reiterate that buying a brand new car, if you're financially fragile, is one of the all-time stupidest thing you can ever do. At least six people were killed in a Montana car pileup during a dust storm. More than 20 vehicles were involved after a dust storm caused near blackout conditions. I've been in a few of those. They're scary as hell. Uh, let me see. House. I don't want to do that. I don't care about that one. Uh, Elon Musk is now back trying to back out of his Twitter deal. Twitter is now suing Musk after he tries backing out of that $44 billion deal. He declared last week while I was gone, he intended to walk away from the deal. So now Twitter has sued him in court in Delaware. That should be very interesting. And Musk is kind of saying, good, bring it on, because I've asked you this whole time to disclose how many Twitter accounts are bots, and you refuse to tell me, well, if we go to court, that's going to come out in court. He could lose more than a billion dollars trying to get out of it, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Uvalde scandal. Yes, I've all seen. I've seen the video of the cops standing in the hall. It's fucking horrible. Like I can't even imagine. Like they're running away from gunshots. Like, dude, you run away from gunshots in an elementary school play of all places. You, just quit. Quit now. You should have never become a police officer in the first place. Really, really bad. I mean, I couldn't. It was hard for me to even watch that. Now. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. I've already talked about it. It's no sense in beating a dead horse. But I do want to point out one thing. That cop was heavily criticized for checking his phone with the Punisher thing. You guys saw that. Well, it turned out that he was the husband of one of the Uvalde teachers killed. And as a matter of fact, minutes after he was looking at his phone, probably checking to see if he heard from her, he was disarmed right after that, and kicked out of the building for trying to engage the shooter while 16 other officers stood by. He's been identified as Officer Ruben Ruiz. So when that picture came out, everybody was really piling on this guy, naming him, shaming, and everything else. And, and it's just a reminder to all of us, like, hey, you know, and it's, and it's on me too. You know, d- don't jump to conclusions. Uh, you know, give a story a little while. Now, now in, in the case of the 10-year-old with the pregnancy, I did wait a while before I even commented on it for that exact reason. I just apparently didn't wait long enough. So a good reminder. He didn't do anything wrong. As a matter of fact, he apparently was one of the guys who was trying to do the right thing. Okay. U.S. troops in Germany have been banned from alcohol after various scooter incidents. That's right. Five soldiers were charged with driving scooters under the influence in Nuremberg over the July 4th holiday weekend. They were all together. And apparently they were all drunk, talking shit to Germans, no doubt, and uh, veering all over the place with scooters. I mean, come on. 
It's not. They're on scooters, not even cars. Give me a break. Did you guys see Bradley Cooper is seeing Huma Abedin? How is this possible, I ask you? That's right. Anthony Weiner's former wife and former Hillary Clinton aide, Huma Abedin, is now dating actor Bradley Cooper, and they have been secretly dating for months. That was a, reported by Page Six in the New York Post. Yeah, dude. She's 45. He's 47. And I mean, bro, you're like one of the... You're an A-list celebrity. You're fucking movie star, world famous. And and that is who you're going for? Hey, I don't know. I know there's inner beauty in everybody, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's She better have a lot of inner beauty. Marion Barber, the former Dallas Cowboys star. Remember how he died mysteriously in his apartment? They found him. Well, they've completed the autopsy. He apparently died of heat stroke in his Dallas apartment. He was 38 years old. They're ruling it an accident. He was found dead in his apartment during a total heat wave, right? It was like 100 degrees out. Well, when the cops walked into his apartment, they found the thermostat set to 91 degrees with the heat set to on. The medical examiner wrote in the report, quote, Mr. Barber was known to exercise in sauna-like conditions. So he did that on purpose. Hmm. The, what else? Was this the uh, Supreme Court or? Uh, A U.S. appeals court has rejected the Biden administration's request to stay a judge's ruling that blocked immigration authorities from implementing guidance focusing law enforcement officers on individuals convicted of certain serious crimes. Yeah, so basically now they, they will, the agency, DHS and ICE, they cannot implement that guidance. They were trying to focus on people just convicted of certain crimes, but the judge came out and said, hey, you know, you can't overrule a congressional law just because you feel like it. So they will be forced to not just focus on those crimes. They have to focus on everybody. And in the meanwhile, 207,416 illegal aliens were apprehended at the border last month. That is the most arrests in June in DHS history. As a matter of fact, it's a 527% increase from June of 2020. Nobody cares. All the media is talking about is stupid January 6th, and absolutely nobody cares, and the border is completely wide open, and everyone knows it. A woman charged with posing as a sick Marine veteran is going to plead guilty. She pretended to be a decorated Marine Corps veteran with cancer to fraudulently collect about $250,000 in veterans' benefits. 31-year-old Sarah Jane Cavanaugh signed an agreement in which she will admit to wire fraud, identity theft, forgery, and fraudulent use of metals. She faces more than 20 years in prison, but they're going to give her like a low amount. She has never been in the U.S. military. But she gained access to documents, personal information, and medical records belonging to a real veteran with cancer. You guys remember I covered that a a few weeks back that the trial was started while she settled. All right. A female DJ, 23 years old, died after falling from a balcony on the 13th floor of a high-rise. As girlfriend who was with her claims she was drunk and climbed onto a chair in the balcony and fell. Hmm. Yeah. She says she's from Texas, but it didn't exactly from Houston. It doesn't say if she, the accident was in Houston. 
Uh, presumably it, it is. Uh, the James Webb telescope images have shook the world. How is that so cool? It's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, the James Webb telescope revealed its first full-color pictures of the world earlier this week. You guys have seen them all. They've been going uh, going crazy with it. Uh, it it's, it's very cool. So the first five images provided views of distant galaxies that are not visible to the naked eye. And these are pictures as they were seen 4.6 billion years ago because, you know, you can't see it until the light comes. Light has a limited speed, so it genuinely has taken up to 13 billion years for the light generated by some of the galaxies and stars to reach us now. Because it takes light about one second to travel from the moon and eight minutes from the sun. So if, you see, if you're looking at the sun, it was eight minutes ago. Yeah, this is the uh, it is only with the space-based telescope that you can detect the light that over the years of its travel through space and time to us gets stretched from the high energy through visible light. It's so cool. Yeah, just fucking massive, man. It's I love this technology. It's great. Do you guys see the meme I put up with the the black dude with the big penis on Instagram stories? That joke will never get old, by the way. I'm sorry it won't. I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, let me see. Uh, keep going here. Oh, here was another accidental death. A 26-year-old man plunges to his death while trying to save his Apple AirPods he dropped outside his window. He was found lying in the streets in Saiwan, Hong Kong, with catastrophic head injuries at 1 a.m. Yeah. And uh, according to reports, the construction worker had dropped his Apple AirPods onto a canopy outside the window of his apartment. And he was trying to fetch them. And then he accidentally fell out of the fifth floor window as he tried to reach the canopy. Bystanders thought he was trying to commit suicide. So they were calling out to him. And they said he was trying to reassure them. Hey, I'm not jumping down. Don't worry. I'm just collecting this. And then he fell, fucking bashed his head, and he died. All right. What else do I need, really need to get to? There's just so many of them. <laughs> I don't know. How about this from fucking Penn State? Group sex videos and photos from inside Penn State football locker room, part of a federal sexual extortion investigation. Damn. It showed these pictures are showing athletes in various stages of un, undress. Um, Penn State police obtained videos and photos, including 19 videos taken from within the Penn State football locker room. Penn State police became aware of this. They started a state investigation, and now it's at the federal level. And the case began with the alleged sexual extortion of two student athletes, identified as victim one and victim two. Victim two reportedly told police he had met a person he believed to be a woman who was referred to as Lee on a dating app earlier that month. Victim Sue said that Lee, L-I, convinced him to share sexually explicit photos of himself with her and then threatened to post those on social media platforms unless he sent more. Yep. Oh, she threatened to send them to Penn State head coach James Franklin's Twitter account. And, and she actually did respond to one of Franklin's tweets last September with a link to a sexually explicit video. No. 
And then, because he was being blackmailed, Victim 2 shared videos of a group sex act and other videos recorded within the Penn State locker room. What is the group sex act? Well, they were either gangbanging a chick or they were gangbanging each other or jacking each other or fucking something. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, all right, let's get to some more audio clips because I'm... Uh, Running out of time here. Let's start with this one. A Washington State uh, representative had a field director outside knocking on doors. Apparently the field director is uh, a young African-American man. Well, he was harassed by this uh, white biker guy. Okay, David Cox. Yes. Get out of my fucking neighborhood. I would like you to stay away from me, okay? Get out. You don't own the neighborhood i'm doing my job i do not you're correct but i don't want you here this isn't you don't own the world show me buddy. your canvassing permit you don't need a you permit to canvas show me your i permit. work for representative bird show me your permit show me your you permit don't need a permit the neighborhood i work for your state representative hey. I know the rules. I know the. I don't laws. think you do, Show man. Canvassing permit. I don't think you do. <laughs> I do. I have owned multiple properties. I and okay. Representatives come to me multiple from different locations. Okay. Okay, so I'm just guessing, and guys, I guarantee you that's a good lib. He's a white guy riding a bicycle, wearing his bite helmet. I mean, come on. Uh, here is a Trump supporter yelling at a guy who's holding a Beton O'Rourke sign. Let's listen to this. Y'all do know that, right? Y'all know Beto's a fake Mexican. His name is Robert Francis. Uh, so, so, so is Ted Cruz, right? Well, he sure loves little boys, too. I'm a moron. Can you refute my argument? Can you refute my argument other than calling me names? Yeah, I did. Why don't you Google Robert Francis O'Rourke right now? Thank you. His name ain't Beto. We don't because y'all are racist. The Democratic Party's the real racist. That's what it is, baby. How's Biden doing? What did Trump do? Uh, economy was great. I was making money. You owe me gas money. Come give me gas money, you commie. Come give me gas money, you commie. Hey, you He's an ex green I don't care. Well, guess what? He's still a commie. He's still a communist racist. God bless Donald Trump. All right. Well, you got, the guy was wearing some sort of military hat. I, yeah, so maybe he was a Green Beret. Uh, I apologize, guys, about the you know the, the, the volume difference. I swear to God, some of these videos, it's like you can barely hear them, and some of them are, like, blaring. Here's a funny one. Here's a sheriff. This is in Georgia. A, a municipal police officer and a county sheriff are getting into it with each other, and they threaten to arrest each other. Uh, this was the Towns County Sheriff. He intervened in the middle of a Hiawassee Sergeant's traffic stop as part of a, some kind of police dispute. Let's hear how this goes. Only 25 seconds. Let's don't pull the video at Valero. You get on my traffic stop again, I will arrest you. Yeah, I'll arrest you. Do it, buddy. And we're going to do it. Charges do it. your He called him a fuck boy. <laughs> Jesus. What the hell is going on with law enforcement these days? I'll never understand it. 
Uh, here's a guy saying he's going to read from a graphic book available to children in school, and then he gets shut down by the school board. You guys remember this? These these things always happen. Well, here, here's the latest one. Let's uh, hear um, how this one goes. Tonight, I'm going to give a sampling from three books that are in our libraries, the Fleming School and the Oakleaf School. And then we can discuss, you can discuss, the process by which these books get on the shelves. Because there's a Clay County employee that got paid to put this book. Speak into the microphone, bro. I'm going to read things. If there's children watching, cover their ears. He began to need I'm going to stop you right there, sir. I'm going to stop you right there. Turn the microphone off. Turn off his microphone, please. I've told you I'm stopping you. The reason I'm stopping you is because these meetings are, if you'll hush your mouth for a minute and listen, instead of just talking, you merely learn something. Well, the problem is, sir, is these meetings are broadcast. There are people at home that are watching it on YouTube. There are people that are watching it on community television. Are you going to listen or are you going to run your mouth? And you'll get it back. But you'll get it back to talk about something besides reading pornography into a, a public television set. So he admits well, the book is pornography? Let me explain something to you. There are federal and state laws that prohibit you from saying the things that you're getting ready to say on television. There are state laws that prohibit and federal communications laws that prohibit you from publishing these things to a child. You don't have the you don't have the ability at this point to determine who's watching the television show, and for you to say everybody cover your ears just doesn't cut it. If you go to if if you go to television and you look before okay, I'm just gonna stop it there. You guys get the point, but basically he's saying like, yeah, dude, you can't say that. That's like pornography. You can't put it out. And the guy's like, well, but it's in our schools. Uh, they just don't see the connection, I guess. Very, very strange. All right, do I, do I have any more that I really want to do? Um, oh, well, a couple of you guys sent me this one. So some guy who is a famous as going to fight in Ukraine, he's big on TikTok. He's, his name is James Vasquez. I think he was with Malcolm Nance, that big woke vet. Well, he was on a subway. And he started getting into a willing guy, and they actually got into a physical altercation. Let's listen to this. They're all face to face. All right, there they go. They're getting off. 
Oh, he's getting off the train. Squaring up on each other. Okay, now they're fighting, and he eventually gets his ass kicked. So that was that was pretty funny, guys. Just a little piece of if don't wait. Because they're like in, in, you know how guys get in each other's faces, like nose to nose, like screaming at each other, but hands are down? That is the worst fucking possible position you can be in. You could get like knocked out right there. If it's gotten at that point, fucking make the first move. Don't just sit there waiting with your hands down for some guy to fucking swing on you. Ever. Ever. Don't ever please do that. If you don't have an arm's length between you and the dude, you better get your fucking hands up. I'll just tell you that right now. All right, quickly, guys. Almost out of time. That's the last of our uh, audio here. Um, a uh, What do I got? Quickly, just some last headlines. A pedophile dad performed a sex act for 19 minutes on Skype. Mm. Unfortunately, the Skype call was not run by a 12-year-old girl like he thought, but it was run by the police. This is over in the UK. Yeah, not good, dude. Um they, uh, this guy is a 53-year-old male named Andrew McCollin, had children, by the way, and he was trying to convince a, what he thought was a 12-year-old girl touching himself. Uh, he sent a naked picture of himself, and then he sent a clip of him performing a sex act, which went on for 19 minutes and 44 seconds, and he kept messaging the account after that. The cops eventually picked him up. Boy, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. A Pennsylvania club has closed after video surfaced showing women inserting her a bottle into her genitals. Two Pennsylvania clubs. Foxtail and Skybar in Pittsburgh released a statement that they are closed until further notice. Uh, the videos went viral and embarrassed the city. The alleged video shows a woman partially nude on the club floor with people cheering on as she inserted a bottle inside of her genitals. And I yes, I did watch the video, and she's she wasn't very attractive. A Bay Area man has lost $380,000 U.S. investing in a cryptocurrency suggested by a woman he met online. <laughs> Kevin Sam met a woman online who reached out suddenly via direct message. Their relationship grew even though they had never met in person. She mentioned an investment opportunity in cryptocurrency on February 10th. She said, open your wallet and enter the mining pool. She urged him to invest at the site called DeFiBase.com. He did just that and immediately paid off. So it started off at $2,000 that he put in. It went up to $5,000 a week later, so he invested more money. At $50,000 invested, he was making $1,000 a day. He then borrowed $100,000 from his mother to invest. But then guess what? He tried to cash out of his investments. He ran into problems. And all, he invested $225,000 U.S., still has not been able to withdraw his money. He filed a complaint with the FBI. And now he's screwed. I wonder where's where did they, they said 250. Where's the 
Where's the 380 coming in here? If you put that in your headline, it better be 380,000. Let me see. It's not really saying. Yeah, basically uh, they just continue inviting other inviting uh, other people. I've heard of these accounts, these crypto scams before. It's if you put in a certain amount of money, they promise you a guaranteed return of X percent, and it's usually really high, like 20%, and then you can't get any of your money out, and uh, you're screwed. So, yeah, it doesn't go on. It doesn't go on to say. But anyway, the, the dumbass fucking law. A, a chick DM. How do you have that much money and you're that stupid? It's always my big question. And guys, unfortunately, fucking that's all the time I got. I'm out of time. So we'll have to go to the big finish. It's a good one. You've heard some good ones today. None of them merited the big finish, but this one really did. And let us go to the UK, where a vicar, I've always loved that word, vicar, V-I-C-A-R, a vicar, a holy man, a pastor, a preacher, priest, whatever you want to call him. A vicar was caught thrusting his groin into a Henry Hoover vacuum cleaner while wearing nothing but a pair of women's stockings by a shocked churchgoer. (laughs) The vicar was named John Jeffs. He was almost completely nude, and he was thrusting his genitals into the suctioning nozzle of the vacuum cleaner in September 2020. It's in the news now because it's going to court. Now, the funny part about this is apparently this brand of vacuum cleaner it's called henry hoover it's got like a big smiley face on it and the nose is where the suction hose goes so so you can see this like cartoonish face grinning at you as the vicar was fucking sucking himself off with the poor henry hoover no yep and vicar john jeffs he actually he's 74 years old by the way a woman had gone to the Baptist Center in Middleton, Cheney, Northamptonshire for a talk about Asperger's syndrome. She walks in and sees 74-year-old John Jeffs fucking the vacuum cleaner. And they also heard, the court did, that Jeffs saw the woman but carried on, pumping away, <laughs> thrusting and wailing away on the vacuum cleaner. Later telling police he continued because it made him feel, quote, naughty, end quote. He was convicted of indecent exposure, and uh, he will now be given an 18-month community service and placed on a sex offender service. No word on that one, unfortunately, if he finished, but I'm guessing he did finish. And it was funny, the, uh, the judge in the trial, he had a great quote. He said, quote, why you thought it best to bring this matter to a trial, I have no idea, end quote. Yeah, because now it's a public record. So there you go, guys. You got your fucking priests (laughs) banging vacuum cleaners. That's all I got. There goes the iPad. Guys, that's two and a half hours straight through. No breaks, no editing. It's been a little week off and a little rusty. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, guys, uh, support the podcast by going to patreon.com. I really appreciate all my great patrons. Just type in the search bar, BK actual, take you right there to me. Donate a buck or two, help keep the podcast going. It's the only way I can really do it. And, uh, follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo actual. 
and check out my IG. Message me anytime, guys, on either of those two platforms, IG at BK Actual or that Twitter account and uh, with your great news stories. Many of you do. That's how I get a lot of stories. Really appreciate it. That's all I got for you. And, yes, I will see you next week.